Welcome to a special episode of the Making a Mark Wrestling Podcast, because this episode is our Christmas special. And we didn't really have a sort of Christmassy themed wrestling thing that we wanted to like watch or anything like that. So instead of going like Christmas themed, we've gone for something that is time of year appropriate. And that is the Royal Rumble. Since WWE do their Royal Rumble every single January, it is, you know, definitely a winter event. And it gives us a good opportunity to watch one of the most sort of popular gimmick matches of all time. So, Laura, your star rating, please. I feel like you already know it's not gonna be great. Um, I was willing to give it one and a half if Finn won. And then Finn did not win, so it gets a one star. And that one star comes almost entirely from the crowd (laughs) of this match, because it was pretty pretty fun to see the people getting so into it and like the reactions to the different entrances and to the different wrestlers and just to see the like huge difference in the level of like I guess like fandom some of the people or like how people entered and stuff was pretty was interesting but can't say I enjoyed the actual wrestling because it's just so much over the top shenanigans and nonsense and there's just very little actual wrestling until you get to the end and it's a lot to sit through before you get to what i would call actual wrestling yeah so we basically went into this knowing you were gonna hate it because it's a gimmick match you know and we all know your dislike of sort of gimmick stuff um, but I do agree, the crowd was hot as fuck. They were <laughs> so loud for everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, whether they liked it of, or they didn't like it, you you knew. Yeah, and that sort of like elevated the match quite a bit. Like it's You know, people always talk about how much the crowd can affect a match, and this is like a great example of it. Yeah, exactly. Although, um, the thing is, another reason I figured you wouldn't like the Royal Rumble is not just your sort of prejudice against gimmick matches, but also a big part of sort of the Rumble's appeal is which wrestlers are going to be in it, which wrestlers aren't going to be in it, what like surprise returns are there going to be, you know, what yeah. like, guest appearances are there going to be and stuff like that. But like, did you even know who the like surprise returns were in that rumble? The only one that I could tell was a big deal and a surprise and like not a normal wrestler was it was a big deal that Rey Mysterio showed up. And I got the sense he clearly had been retired or something for a while because I kept mentioning how he looks like he's in as good a shape as he ever was, like back in his like prime or whatever. So I got that. Yeah. So that's <laughs> what I mean. So a lot of like the appeal of the rumble, it, it isn't a wrestling. You don't watch it for, like, amazing wrestling. No, it's clearly you watch it as a fan for, like, the more, the the more, like, personal reasons to the performers, the more almost, like, soap opera-esque reasons. Yeah, exactly. There's, like, like, it's the surprise returns, the, like, guest appearances, it's getting to, you know, see all those crowd reactions and see the crowd get into it. And also, they often do a lot of, like, storyline progression in the rumble because there's so many people interacting you know what i mean like yeah yeah there's a lot of like storyline stuff in there but once again if you're a sort of 
casual viewer or, you know, not a wrestling fan at all, like, y'all are going to miss all of that. <laughs> You're going to miss yeah, all of it. Yeah, and there were occasional, like, hints to even for me, like, when they mentioned, like, um, when Adam Cole came in, he was all bandaged up. They're mentioning, what like, the match that the bandages are from and when people, the people are going to be wrestling later on that night and how this would impact that and, like, the dude who got beat up backstage. That's clearly going to become some big feud or issue or something like he's gonna be pissed because someone stole his chance to be in the rumble like i i very much see why the rumble exists and it's used as a narrative tool in wwe world it's just oh man and the whole time basically just the whole time i'm every few seconds i'm going this is so stupid and it's just i can't get past that it is the prime example of sort of like spectacle and yeah. fun over like actual content you know what i mean like it's yeah. <laughs> all about like the spectacle and the silliness and not actually about like good wrestling you know yeah yeah for sure for sure and like also like i never really given i don't know a lot of the people so i wasn't i didn't really have anyone i was cheering for for a lot of the time other than i i was mostly cheering for finn balor for most of it because i like of who doesn't like an underdog story he's one of the first two in there so it'd be great to see him win and stick it out for the whole however long the match lasted uh he had some pretty he actually had like memorable and like athletically and technically impressive some wrestling moments he was never a part of anything too like really over the top for me like gimmicky he mostly just he just wrestled and people kept trying to get rid of him and then he would get really lucky because then someone else would like come in and mess with the person who was trying to eliminate him or something but then by the end it's like okay you were lucky to get this far now you have time to recover and then he pulled out some actually really solid like moves so it was good to watch and i was actually like i had a, a small emotional reaction i was my, i was disappointed when he got eliminated i was like oh so clear i like some part of me still was buying into it a little bit. And then other than him, the only one I really was cheering for at any point was Nakamura. Uh, just because also, like, he had the best crowd reaction of the whole night. Like, the crowd was singing his entrance music for, like, until the next person came in, basically. Yeah, like, even, even after, after his ended. music stopped, yeah, the they crowd just kept going. kept going. So it was just like, that's contagious, right? And you get caught up in that, and he seemed cool. And, and of course, I just have a bias for now because New Japan has been the wrestling in our podcast. I've enjoyed the most to watch anytime there's a Japanese wrestler. I'm just immediately going to like them a little more because I associate it with the wrestling that I enjoy watching more. So, so yeah, other than that, I didn't really care about anyone else that was there. I'm not going to lie. Like, I knew who a handful of them were. And, like, as we go through each person, we can... I can point out which ones I actually knew. But of the 30, I'd say maybe like six or seven of them. No, maybe up to 10. I knew who they were, but the, no more than 10 for sure. Like only one third did I know who they were. So one thing that needs to be addressed is, you know how you said like, uh, we talked about the use of the Royal Rumble as like a narrative tool mm -hmm. and how it does progress storylines. And it does. It does progress storylines. The example you gave of the guy getting beaten up backstage by the other two dudes... Did it not? It went nowhere. For fuck's sake. That seems like the only good, obvious, like... 
Why wouldn't you be pissed at that? Because the winner of this go headlines WrestleMania. It's like kind of one of the biggest stakes in WWE. And I know that now. I don't even watch WWE. And someone took your chance to do that. Why wouldn't you be pissed? And then turn that into a whole thing. It's handed to you on a platter. Because WWE. For heaven's sake, dude. Like what? What? Oh, it's dumb. It's dumb. There was also like... So... Before we go into, like, actual specific notes about, you know, individual things, there were a lot of things in the Royal Rumble that we just watched that reminded me why I don't enjoy watching WWE as much as other promotions. Like Number one, the commentators. The commentators are so... <laughs> Uh, like I, I was like I kept thinking, what's what's one line I can pick out that just sums up how useless they were? And there's two things I can't pick one. I can pick two things that just epitomize why they were awful. The first one is you would think there were thirty of them because like every few seconds they're like, that's my pick. It's really there's like what three of them? They just kept changing who they were cheering for, and then someone would try and call them on. It's like I thought so and so was your pick, and they're like, no, no, what are you talking about? I'm like, you can't cheer for everyone. It's not how gambling works. You got to pick I was someone. Like, I actually had to know about <laughs> that, and I wrote like. When they first do that, like, the literally the first time one of them changes their pick, it's mildly funny. Emphasis on mild, right? <laughs> like, yep. you get a little, huh, out of it yeah. at most. But it got so old. And repetitive. So quickly. Like, I don't think it was a bit. I thought they just genuinely had, like, Dory-level short-term memory loss finding Nemo. I'm like, can you just, for you just not remember who it was? Or they're just doing the, what most people do is, I'm going to cheer for the person who looks flashy in the moment and is winning, and I'm going to pretend I was cheering for them the whole time. But the other one, I literally wrote one line down here in quotes, and I just said, uh, this is why we don't need commentators. Quote, he's nuttier than a squirrel poop. End quote. There was also a bit where a wrestler did an Enzigiri. No. And the commentator goes, What a dropkick! <laughs> it's not even a dropkick. He did a different move. Oh, so, yeah, just they, were, so, they yeah. were pretty useless. Commentators is one. Another one is camera work. Yep. Because, like, there was a moment I pointed out to you where there's these two wrestlers who are, like, in a feud with each other, having this intense stare down in the middle of the ring. And as soon as they start, like, walking towards each other, the camera cuts to two unrelated people fighting in a corner. Yep. Also, like, the amount of times I kept seeing, because, like I said, I was cheering for Finn, and there'd be times at the end where he's on the top rope, like, it looks like he's about to be pushed over, and then they cut to some more dudes, like, punching, which has been the whole match. I'm like, no, I need to see if he's going to fall down. But then it also meant, okay, I guess he's not, because if he was going to get eliminated, they would know to catch it, hopefully. Yes, no. So, I don't know, it's just weird. But it's just and like, if you've got this big, clearly important, like, story moment and, like, the crowd's going crazy for it and stuff like that, why would you cut away from it just to show two people, like, punching each other? That's, like, not important in the because slightest. Because content. I hate it really. <laughs> and then another big thing is... After watching so much, like, Japanese wrestling and AEW and PWG and stuff like that, the wrestling in WWE just looks so weak. Yeah, I have lots of notes about, like, seeing... I was going to say everything, seeing the obvious setups and seeing, like, it just looks like people are holding back all the time or that they're still rehearsing it. 
Like it looks like this is the dress rehearsal. Like it's yeah. pretty good. Like it's it's there, but it's still just a hair away from opening. They're still holding back a little bit and playing a little bit safe. And this the main like culprit of the WWE style is the striking. They strike so much. They strike nonstop all mm-hmm. the time, and every single one of them looks shit. Yeah, they all looked pretty awful. Like never Especially once after watching the Japanese women. I know. Wrestling. I was gonna say compa- never once was I like you know inwardly physically like that's a lie. There was I think one moment in the whole sixty minute match, and I wrote it in my notes when we get there, where I actually had like a a slight recoil and like you know I could feel it in my own body compared to the others. So like I'm with you on that. It was all pretty weak sauce. And it's just like I say after watching such sort of better quality in-ring wrestling from, like, New Japan and stuff like that. It's just so hard to, like, go to something like this and watch them so obviously fake everything and it, like, not even looking close to realistic. Like, it's obviously fake. And then all the impacts looking so, like, weak and pathetic. It's just, ah, oh, it drives me mad. I don't know how people <laughs> do it every week. Because like... they're there for the personalities. One would hope, because the one thing I will give WWE is clearly every wrestler, some are still, like, stupid characters, but every wrestler that came in had a very defined, like, character, both visually and, like, also just in their personality and the way they, like, played it and stuff, so. So yeah, that's kind that's, of... that's true. They do have characters. That, like, the thing is, I just wish they had good storytelling for those characters. But as we've discussed earlier, they had two guys beat a dude up and cost him his WrestleMania opportunity, and it went nowhere. Yep. But yeah, that's, I think that's all my general impressions. Okay, so now we've got like general sort of thoughts, overall thoughts out of the way. Shall we go into notes? Yeah, for sure. Um, Obviously, most of my notes are just... There's very little notes on the actual wrestling. It's not much wrestling happened. It's just as people came in, my thoughts of things. Uh, I do, I will say, I like that when there's so many people. Well, actually, I don't even know. At first, I thought I liked it. But now the more I think about it, I don't know. Um, the whole that you have to throw them over the top rope and their feet touch the floor um, to get eliminated. Because at first, I was like, oh, I guess, I like the specificity of it. And it's more... Because like, I guess also people can easily gang up and get someone like pinned to the ground a lot easier than at least it takes a bit more effort to like team up and throw them over a top rope and stuff. But now I'm like, oh, the match went on forever. Maybe I would like if there were more ways for them to get pinned. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I like it because it adds to it being like different to a normal match. Yeah. You know, I mean, it adds it adds something different to it. Um. But, like, how long it is is sort of part of just the appeal. You know what I mean? Like, you get to see 30 people come in. Like, so I don't really know how they could speed. (laughs) I guess, yeah. Oh, like, I do agree, though. It makes it, it adds to the fact that this is a very different style of match. Um, So, obviously, we start out and we have, like, Finn Balor, who I vaguely knew. Like, he looked familiar. I wouldn't, if you'd asked me to, like, name WWE wrestlers, I wouldn't have been able to come up with his name out of the blue. But then once I saw him, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I know who that is. Uh, Rusev, I have no idea who that is. Never heard of him before in my life. Or recognized him visually. He once Um, uh, had a WrestleMania match against John Cena. 
and he came to the ring in a tank. A legitimate tank. He came to the ring the riding in a fucking tank. Oh my god. Talk about extra. So we had a little bit of like some good wrestling before all the entrances started and then that but it was very short-lived. Like we got one really nice drop kick by Finn. The setup for it was super fast. It looked real clean. And then and I was like, of course the the crowd counts down the new entries. Of course it's great. They do. I love it. I love the I know. 10. Nine. Eight. Yeah. Um, but then I one thing I didn't like that everyone in the ring stops and like looks at the guy entering. It's like, what are you doing? This is the perfect time to eliminate someone. Maybe they'll be distracted. You keep going. You chuck like Finn. Go chuck Rusev over while he's watching what's his face enter. Like, I don't like that. It seems unrealistic in a match that you know you're gonna be there for a long time. It's gonna be hard. There's a butt ton of people. Like why, oh, later on, maybe because it's like it's kind of this unwritten rule. Everyone gets a brief, a brief breather. That's hard to say, but like at the beginning, it just seems silly that the two of them would just like completely stop what they're doing and stare. Do you want to hear? You know, we always rag on WWE's camera work because it's trash. Yeah. Do you want a prime example of that that came from one of the Royal Rumbles? Sure. So you know the wrestler AJ Styles. You might not. Yeah, no, yes, we, we do. We watched him. That was our first episode of the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you remember <laughs> I said there was a big thing where he was, like, the indie wrestler? Like, he'd wrestled in, like, TNA and New Japan and everywhere except WWE. And he was always, like, a main eventer everywhere where he went. And he was basically, like, the biggest non-WWE wrestler in the world. And people mm-hmm. thought he would never go to WWE. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and they actually kept it under wraps. Like, nobody knew he was actually going to be there, right? And the way he made his WWE appearance was he was one of the entrants in the Royal Rumble. And they managed to keep it a secret, right? Yeah. So, the Royal Rumble's happening. The, the, the countdown's happening, right? And there's only a few people in the ring. One of them been, you know, Roman Reigns, who was in this Royal mm-hmm. Rumble, right? And the camera's watching Roman Reigns, and he's, like, watching this countdown and looking at the screen, you know, waiting to see who comes out. And this music that we've never heard before starts playing. Yeah. And the crowd explodes, like they're losing their minds, like louder. If it's than music any... that people didn't know, how they how they know to get excited? There's something showing on screen. Oh, right? okay, okay. And the crowd's losing their minds, right? So you know something important is happening, right? And the camera is still just looking at Roman Reigns's face. <laughs> and that was AJ Styles' debut. Debut. Like, that's why and the crowd we didn't even was... film it. That's why the crowd was losing their minds so badly because it was AJ Styles debuting in WWE and they decided to film Roman Reigns' face instead of AJ's debut. Good job. Good job, camera team. Yeah, not I, I, I'm not even surprised. So yeah, the anyway, next guy that came in was Rhino, but spelled silly. Uh, and I, just, I just like to said, I, I like Hanzo's comment, that guy is thick with two Cs. He is though. He's like <laughs> he is. He is a large man. 
like it's uh, not and then they, fat, they did it's a, muscle, but it's like yeah. sort of rugby player style muscle it is, where it's yeah. just like thick and stocky. <laughs> yeah, and then they they did a close up of his face. I was like, he legit looks like the guy in a horror movie or a horror video game before he kills you. Like if you stuck him in Resident Evil Seven or like an Outlast game and looked at him through the viewfinder of like your crappy camera, would not be surprised and it would give me nightmares. Like he looked legitimately crazy. See, I liked the contrast of, like, Rhino next to Finn Balor in terms of muscles. Because Finn Balor is, like, chiseled like some Olympian. You know what I mean? Like, this guy's some of, like, the best abs He looks like the old, like, Greek statues of, like, this is what we deem, like, a perfect human specimen. Exactly, yeah. He's he's literally got abs carved out of stone. (laughs) And then you've got Rhino, who's probably way stronger, but he's just, like, built like a truck. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Um... And then my next note was that looked so stupid. So Rhino just holding Balor in place over the top rope until Rusev could come hit him. That was like one of the first of many moments where I said there's just so many obvious like this is our next beat. And then we wait here until the next beat happens, like the next thing in our choreography. And he literally was just holding him there, but not going for it. It didn't even look like they were struggling, like he was trying to push him and Finn's holding on, just holding him, just waiting for Rusev to come kick him and save Finn unintentionally. Like... And that just like, oh, look, this this will set up the entire match. This is what the whole thing's going to be. Something I should explain about uh, Rhino while we're talking about him. So you know how he got like a really loud crowd reaction? Yeah. So the reason for that is, is there's two things. One, he's a really old wrestler who's not okay. active anymore. Okay, okay. So it was still under contract, but basically he only ever shows up in Royal Rumbles. And only like, you know, one every like two years or something. Yeah. So he's always a bit of a like, oh, look, it's, you know, Rhino finally getting to actually wrestle, you know, like. And then the second thing is this Royal Rumble was in Philadelphia. Yes, they kept saying, they mentioned. Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned earlier the promotion ECW. Yes. ECW was based in Philadelphia and was huge. And he was like one of their main event talents who, when ECW died, signed Mm -hmm. with WWE. Okay. So that's one of the reasons he got such a big reaction here specifically is because although it's not his hometown, it's, you know, where he made his name as a wrestler. Like, Okay. Cool to know. Oh, gosh. Oh, yawning. I'm still, I'm still on a sleep deficit after working on this opera, man. It's going to take me a while to get back. Okay. I'm good. And then my next note is just all capital letters. Dude, it's been like two minutes already. Someone else is coming. Oh, man. That's like, because I know you're like, it's supposed to be like whatever five minutes in between, but it's clearly not. I think it's like, I think it's actually like now that I've thought about it a bit more, I think it's free. But the thing is, it's not even like a time limit. I I literally timed it uh, after wrestler number maybe like seven or something i started getting annoyed i was like i feel like this is just constant there's no time so i timed it it's less than 90 seconds it was one minute and 26 seconds but the thing is it it varies like sometimes there'll be like a a lot of important stuff happening so the next person won't come in for like four minutes and then the other time like someone will come in get hit and then instantly the countdown comes up again and it's like what that was like 10 seconds like the fuck yeah, exactly. 
And it just felt like, in one way, the more I thought about it, I get it, because this is already a really long match, and you have 30 people to enter, so even one minute in between each entrances, that's like 30 minutes just of entering, plus then the wrestling before, after, in between stuff. So, like, I get it, but it still just feels so ridiculous, like, that there's no real breathing room or gap. And just have an actual set time. <laughs> yeah, at least make it consistent. Timer. Like, if it was exactly 90 seconds of each one, at least it would feel a bit more, like, regimented or something. Um, But, yeah. So, I, I I was not a fan. I keep having notes of, like, fuck's sake, someone's already, there's another person. And just feeling, it's almost, like, overwhelming and, like, mildly anxiety-inducing to watch. Um, So, the next guy who came in was Baron Corbin. I said, I like this guy who just ran in and just started wrestling. He was wasting no time. He was the just fucking in. The crowd didn't like him. No, the crowd did not. And then we know why. Because he just became an asshole. And just, like, also, just started you know, messing shit up. You know, we always talk about how there's, like, old school, like, heel tactics in wrestling. Like, easy way to get someone booed. Uh, a prime example of that is, like, as soon as he gets in the ring, he eliminates Rhino. Who, like I say, is, like, a Philadelphia legend. You know what I mean? In, in yeah. Philadelphia. And he just yep. instantly, as soon as he gets in the ring, eliminates him. It's like yeah. The crowd just boos the living But shit it did make it. me so happy that then Finn's like, oh, you can't see me, yoik, and eliminates Corbin right as he, like, right after he eliminates Rhino. But then, of course, Corbin starts flipping out and he, like, pulls Finn into the apron, even though it's not a real elimination, starts beating up on him. Then, like, the next guy comes in, and Corbin wrecks the guy entering, just because he's still throwing his little hissy fit. And I'm just like, this is this is classic WWE over-the-top nonsense that I hate. I'm just like, this is, you're literally a child having a tantrum right now, And also, sir. another, another like, thing of it, another part of it that's classic WWE is they're, like, heat-obsessed. Because, like... Like, you know, in most wrestling companies, you build up the heels so then the faces go over them and everyone loves the face. Yeah. Like, and everyone cheers and everyone goes home happy. Yeah. WWE, for, like, the past, like, ten years or so, have been obsessed with making the heel win in the end. And that's what happened here is, like, they gave Corbin this heel heat. Like, the crowd was booing him. And then he eliminates Rhino and the crowd goes apeshit, like, booing him like crazy. And then it, like, sets up Finn eliminating him. And Finn's a hero. The crowd love Finn in that moment. They're cheering like mad. So then WWE can't just leave it as a good, happy moment, making someone a hero. Corbin has to get his heat back. He has to have a tantrum and beat everyone up afterwards and... Yeah, walk out the victor. You know, and like I feel so bad for Heath Slater. That was the next guy to enter because he doesn't even get his entrance or his moment. He just gets immediately shit on by Corbin. <laughs> I'm just like, but not only that, it didn't even look good. I wrote the the note on it. I feel like Slater didn't get hit hard enough to still be on the ground because like the basically for the entire like one to two minutes between Heath Slater and the next guy entering, everyone's just like on the ground recovering from this Corbin whirlwind. Tasmanian devil temper tantrum. But Heath didn't even look that good. Like the hit. It looked pretty weak sauce. Yeah. So, so I was like, really? Slater is what they call in wrestling. Like his role is to be a jobber. And the idea of jobbers is that like they're there to lose. Like the whole job is to lose and like make other people sort of look good. Which yeah. is why he didn't get like to shine all is because that's sort of his role. You know what I mean? He was just there to be like comic relief and make other people look good you know what i mean like yeah 
Okay, well, either way, it was just like the whole thing was just to me felt just like a lot of a lot of the things I dislike all at once. I do also agree though that like he literally just did a clothesline. And the guy was down for like two minutes, like eyes rolling in the back of his head. Whereas people take how many of those hits in one wrestling match? Like how many times did Finn, to his credit though, Finn looked absolutely awful by the end. Every time they got a close-up of Finn, he looked wrecked. Like that's not acting. The guy's just exhausted. So like, but but again, he's been there for 57 minutes. He was allowed to look that way. Unlike this guy. Uh, and the one decent line from the commentator is when everyone's just lying on the ground dead. He's like, it looks like a crime scene out here. That one actually made me chuckle because there are just a lot yeah, of people that, rolling that around on line. the ground dead. Um, uh, so, you know, you like since we're on the topic, you know how you're saying how tired Finn looked by the end? Because, yeah. you know, he's legit been wrestling for 60 minutes. He's yeah. allowed to be tired. And under all those lights and with that many people there, yeah. it must be hot as fuck, right? So... I get it, he's tired. But one thing that bugs me in Royal Rumbles is you'll have, like, the person who came in number one who has been wrestling for, like, 40 minutes and getting the shit kicked out of him. Someone will enter, totally fresh, and they'll be, like, trading blows on even footing. And it's like... Yeah, no. Either he's a god... Or your shit. Like, one, <laughs> one of the two, you know? Like, What's well, like at the end, because at the very end of this match, it, we had a bit with Reigns and Nakamura just trading blows. I'm like, Re- Roman Reigns came in in the 20s. Nakamura came in in the teens. Like, dude. And Reigns is just huge. Reigns has the body mass advantage on Nakamura. Like, there's no way. There's no way. But anyway. I agree. It's just pretty silly. Um... And then I was like, entry six, literally everyone is still on the ground. What the fuck is even happening? That that was kind of when I, like, somewhat tuned out of the match. Like, I just stopped hoping that I would like it or, like, trying to like it. I just I was like, nah, fuck it. I'm just going to hear it. To just be like, this is dumb. But then the entry six was Elias. I was like, well, good thing Corbin's gone. Or he trashed this guy's guitar right now. And then I just have a note in caps. Oh, my God, I remember this guy. Because James showed me... James was showing me, like, old wrestling videos or something. Um, I can't remember why or how we were talking about it or why, but he showed me, like, bits of, not, like, wrestling, but, like, some of the silly, like, the the talking and the smack talk and the story in between and stuff. And it was one where, I guess, Elias was trying to play a song on his guitar, and he was, like, and his whole thing for him starting, like, a feud or, like, beating the crap out of someone was, like, if you interrupt me, if anyone interrupts my song, I'm gonna lose it. And then, like, a whole parade of things happen and like some wrestler comes in with like literally a posse and like interrupts his song and he like loses his mind i just remember laughing i was like this is the dumbest like gimmick for a wrestler i've ever seen like why are you a wrestler if you want to go be a musician like go and 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 also the fact that like it's gonna be the greatest performance ever and like you're literally the most mediocre guitar player like this is every karaoke night at every dive bar ever like and i love how he like (laughs) stops playing guitar like he's walking down like playing this little solo and then just like stops kicks Heath Slater and then keeps walking. I know. <laughs> so good. Like, that was hilarious. So, like, yeah. And I said, I'm going to be real bad as one breaks his guitar, but I also can't stand him. But yeah, I just think it's so stupid. His like, whole thing. Elias, as a concept, is just so stupid to me. He is responsible for one of the best moments in modern WWE, though. Oh, God. Where... You know, so he does this thing where he, like, when he sits down to play his guitar and, like, sing, he always insults the place he's in. 
don't you? Yeah. Like he like he insulted Phil. Oh, you time. told me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One one time he sat down to do his song in a place, and this place, their sports like their sports team it was like their basketball team or baseball team or something had left their city to go to another city. And he like commented on it and about how like they must suck so bad because not even their sports teams want to be here or something. And the crowd booed him for eight minutes straight. Wow. Eight minutes <laughs> that's, of just that's constant painfully booze. Long. <laughs> it was incredible. Good lord. Oh my goodness. Wow. Wow, that's, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when I said I'm going to be real bad is when breaks his guitar. Not for Elias, just I'm like, it's an instrument, don't hurt it. I was really worried someone was going to run in and just like smash it. Or he was going to get mad and like smash it over their head or something. Um. So yeah, that But this that is happened. an example of like the variable timers because like Elias came in walked to the ring and like started his song and then the countdown started and it had only been like 30 seconds like it was so quick it was yeah um oh and then also i wrote what makes you special enough to stop the clock sir because he was all like the clock's gonna stop um and like turn off your cell phones like you're all gonna listen to this amazing oh, no, performance no. he said time is an illusion for fuck's sakes just so dumb. I was just like, and then performance, I wrote performance of the year, dot, 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 just dot, 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 no, just no. <laughs> like, it's just so ridiculous. It'd be one thing if he also was like a phenomenally talented, like amazing, like say he did the crazy like flamenco guitar, with like the finger picking that's like so fast you can barely see their fingers move and shit. It'd be one thing if he was actually a phenomenal guitar player but then and then talked us up, face, but he's like, and he's eh. not, he's a heel. The crowd's meant to boo him. So him being, like, mediocre at best adds it's to true. that. And then I was like, and of course, the clock didn't stop. So here comes someone else. Now he's mad. And then just in caps, oh, God, no, it's seeing all this. That means the Selena bitch is back. Please save me. In capital letters. In fairness, she I didn't still hate her. I know. I was very pleasantly surprised. But the minute I saw her, a visceral reaction of hatred. And, like, if I have to put up with her bullshit this match, I'm so done. My bullshit meter is at its max. I can't handle you. But no, she just took his title off of him and went backstage. I know, it was great. And that's that's that was fine. That was perfectly fine. And I look, hey, look, we're back to real wrestling, in air quotes. Thank fuck. Uh, and then I was like, I'm still cheering for Finn. And, and again, the weird setup before, the, I, I, I don't know who it was on, but I said the weird setup before the clothesline from Elias just looked lame and super fake. I don't know who he was clotheslining, but either way, it apparently looked bad. Um. So... Andrade Cien Almas was like the second sort of surprise entrance after Rhino because you know like at this point NXT was considered sort of the developmental territory you know and like they didn't really ever interact with the main rosters unless an NXT person got called up you know what I mean yeah. so for him to appear in the Royal Rumble while he was like NXT champion was you know a surprise yep um, and then I said, for fuck's sakes, number eight is here. I swear to God, it's been like a minute 30. And this is when I timed it. And after that, it was a minute and 26 seconds. I said, Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt? Was that his name? Bray? 
Did I typo that? Yeah, Bray Wyatt. It is Bray. Okay. So, so far, he wins best entrance because all the audience phone lights looked really cool. Like, the whole, this yeah, whole like arena the light, just turns the, on their the phone. Old, all the, like, lights in the arena dimmed, dimmed down. Yeah. And then everyone turns on their phone lights in the audience. So, yeah. He won. Which, which fits in with the lyrics in his song, because I doubt you heard it, but, like, the lyrics in his song are, like, catching fireflies. You know? Oh, that's cool. All the lights are, like, fireflies in the crowd. That's nifty. Yeah, either way, uh, up till this point, it won Best Entrance, and it looked really visually pretty. Um, uh, and then it's like Lol beating up on Heath, and he hasn't even gotten in the ring yet. It's the second person to on their way into the ring just yeah, casually it just beat up thing. Heath. Like, every, every person who entered just did something to Heath on the like, outside it was, of the ring before coming in. It was kind of funny, but also just like sad and pathetic, and it made me sad to watch. Also, oh. at this point, <laughs> Finn and Rusev are still KO'd on the floor from Baron Corbin. Yeah. And it's like, been like five minutes at this point or something. It's like, absolutely stupid. Um, and so I take issue with the fact that people have been out of the ring for ages and are still in this match. Like, that's what you're, like, we're talking about Finn is one of them who's been lying on the ground for minutes. And I realize that, you know, there's no count out eliminations in this. But I still feel like maybe not the normal, like, ten seconds, but maybe, like, five minutes. I feel like it's reasonable, like, all right, you're, if you're going to stay out there that long, you're done. You're, bye. You're not in this match. Like, come on. And so that, that bugged me. I didn't like that. People could just hang out there for as long as they wanted. Um, and so yay, Finn finally got back in the ring. Um, and then we had the first guy who was part of the team New Day. And I was it's just like, It's a new day. Yes, it is. I can't handle his entrance, his outfit, his weird gyrating when he entered. I was like, what is happening? And then on top of the gyrating, my next quote, my next note, <laughs> it's just in capital, capital letters. Why do you have pancakes in your nipples? best quote ever said of this podcast but it's like that's disgusting well i realize they're not in like they're just somewhere in his costume and like a pocket or something but it looked like he literally whipped them out of his like man boob it's worse just... than that he probably if you like go back and watch it like he reaches right down to like his crotch and pulls them out of there he oh that's worse than pancakes out of his crotch and that's... fed them to someone that's fucking gross oh see like that's just that would only happen in WWE. That's just fucking stupid and disgusting and unsanitary. And what what does that have to do with wrestling? What do pancakes have to do with wrestling? I don't understand. On a more wrestling-related note, Biggie is fucking huge. He is huge. He's a large man. His quads are the size of my torso. Like... He he used to actually be a legit but like competitive power lifter. They said they mentioned that, so I did yeah. catch that. Yeah. So I also mentioned so he, huge. he immediately comes in after force feeding crotch pancakes to someone, just, ugh. and then but someone like hits him and he has like this amazing like lights out face where just like blank expression like oh and then falls in slow motion and it was actually kind of priceless, very Looney Tunes moment, which I dug. Like three or four corners of the ring just have two dudes grappling right now. There's just like pockets of fuckery everywhere and no one's really doing anything interesting there's just lots of punching going down lots of weak it's, punching it's really interesting in the royal rumble one of the really interesting things about watching it is seeing like because some people when they come in get to do like a little highlight reel when they enter you know they get to like show off what they can do and get to do some of their spots and stuff like that whereas some other people 
as soon as they come in, just sort of enter the fray. You know, they just join in with the punching yeah. people mindlessly. And it's always really interesting to see who gets to, like, have a little highlight reel and who gets yeah, to exactly. show off and who just becomes a cog in the machine, you know? Yeah. So now we have that, we mentioned earlier, the dude who's getting beat up backstage so he doesn't even get the chance to enter. And I said, I get that it has to do with story, but, like, what the fuck? What is this chaos? This is just dumb. This is soap opera level dumb. And then I was like, so someone else is taking this dude's spot in the rumble? Sami Zayn? Who the fuck even is that? That's another person. I have no idea who that person is. So so far, I don't know who Sami was. I don't know who anyone in the New Day was. I knew Elias just from James showing me that one video. I knew Andrade's because we watched him wrestle. Um, Did not know Corbin. Did not know Wyatt. Did not know Rhino. So, like, I'm not doing very well so far <laughs> and this is why and we yes. said like this is probably why you're not gonna enjoy it as like a new viewer exactly. because like you just you don't get any of you know this stuff like you don't know who anyone is you don't know who the surprise entrances are you don't yep. know anyone's stick you know like like so like for example you know the guy who got beaten up backstage yeah what was his name ty dillinger okay his gimmick is that he is the perfect 10 uh, hence the 10 in his intro and like the crowd whenever he enters chant like 10 10 10 so he was gonna enter at number 10 perfect genius 10 out of 10 wwe get it 10 out of 10 yeah um <laughs> so they you know can't let the fans have this happy moment where the guy whose gimmick is that he's a 10 enter at number 10 with the crowd chanting 10 they have to get heat so they have two heels beat him up backstage and one of them enter in his place instead because of course they do and then it leads nowhere because of course it doesn't of course exactly like why why would you why would you bother to capitalize on narrative moments that you took the time to set up hey just me um and then this is like a really random note that's like such a me thing to notice but uh they had a close up on finn yet again as he's like holding on to the rope for dear life as someone's trying to eliminate him and i noticed for quite a few times now he's doing um an aerial silks move in circus he the way he is wrapping his feet around the ropes to keep himself from falling out you do that in silks it's called a footlock for obvious reasons and that's what you do to keep yourself from like falling out of the silks so it's just a fun little moment of crossover from my my circus life wrestling for me and i was like hey also just added to me wanting to cheer for finn because i'm like i recognize things that you're doing as even the commentators at this point were like already another entrant like you know it's bad when even your commentators are like annoyed at overwhelmed by and just seem confused at the speed of which you have wrestlers entering this match so what does that tell you and then it's this Seamus guy who i also do not know i just went this fucking mohawk is a safety hazard this has to have put someone's eye out while wrestling at least once but it has great theme music he does. But then Slater, who... So uh, it was nice to see... I will say it was nice to see Slater get the elimination. This was like, the funniest moment. It was hilarious. But also because Slater was getting so shit on. And people are just like literally kicking him as he's down while walking into the ring. So it's nice to see him get so like, Seamus, a moment. So Seamus, been the angel that he is, takes pity on Heath. 
And he's like, you know what? I'm going to not beat him up. Instead, I'm going to put him in the ring so he can finally be a part of this match. And what then he good eliminates guy. him. <laughs> yes, and then Heath just runs across oh. the ring and clotheslines Sheamus straight out. Sheamus was in the ring for all of, like, two seconds. Yep, I said that's kind of hilarious and I approve was my exact note of Slater but, eliminating so, Sheamus. So, WWE, we talk a lot about how they have terrible booking, right? Yeah. They do. They they have a lot of terrible, dumb booking. This is actually one of those rare moments of great booking by WWE. Because Sheamus, as they mentioned, was actually going to have a tag title match later that night. Like, after the Rumble. So, like, if he went into the Rumble for a long period of time and wrestled and stuff like that... Like, it'd make no sense for him to even have a chance in the tag title match because, he, you know, he's already exhausted and beaten up, right? So, to keep him, like, fresh for the tag title match, they came up with this, like, creative way to get him eliminated while it's still been, like, a cool, funny moment, you know? Yeah. That's good booking. You kept him, like, fresh you for his tag thing. title match good for you. while having, like, an actual moment of it. Like... Good job, WWE. Pat on the back. Yeah, because I did mention, like, at least he'll be fresh for his match later tonight. And I was like, mild burn? Question mark? Like, anyway, yeah, it made me chuckle. It was like, hey, look, you did something right. And I just have a note, no, Finn, save yourself. So I guess he was close to being eliminated again, but he did not. I said, okay, Finn's fine. The apron is his friend. Because there was so many times he'd be put over the rope, but then, like, managed to catch the apron on his way down and keep himself alive. And then I was like, oh, next person enters, Xavier Woods. He's on the tag team with Pancake Man. That is... I don't remember his name. He just became Pancake Man after that moment. And then this next note is like, one of these guys apparently has a PhD in educational psychology. I weep and my dad would be appalled. Because, again, going back to... The origins of this whole podcast, right? The whole reason Hanzo asked me to do this is because I was brought up with very vocally anti-wrestling parents, primarily my dad. My mom, not so much, but my dad was all like, this is the dumbest like form of entertainment in the world, promotes X, Y, Z, da-da, like we've been all over his thoughts on it. And the other thing about my, my dad and his whole side of the family is academic achievement is like the greatest thing one can do with their life in their eyes like every single person barring one on my dad's family has a phd of some kind they were all university professors other uh, other than one who was then became an engineer and stuff like that but still had a phd like academia is the be-all end-all in my family so if i go hey dad hey th this person who's a, a professional wrestler who the thing that you hate and think is like lowest brow type of people and human entertainment, he has a PhD. And I just watched like the gears stop in my dad's head and watched like does not compute face. And it would be kind of hilarious. Uh, that's the thing. That's like, it's a great counterpoint to this. Like wrestling is just for like idiots. It's like, you know, yeah. I was telling you the other day about Luchasaurus and how great he is. Yeah. When he's not been a wrestling dinosaur, he actually has like a doctorate in like history. That's cool. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the, the, it's not just morons yeah. and imbeciles. There's some very, very intelligent people who just, they like wrestling. Because surprisingly, your interests are not tied to your intelligence. 
Who Shocker. Who would have fought? And also, it's like, who's the smarter one here, though? They still have that, like, degree. But it's like, I bet you they are probably making more money than you are, father. And, like, living. So, at the end of the day... Like, I mean, the, know, average clever, main like ro- the average main roster wrestler in WWE makes around, like, 250000 a year. Exactly. That's average. So, uh, There's some know? who significantly Oh, yeah. You know Roman Reigns, who was in later? Yeah. He makes, like, I think $2 million a year. Exactly. So, anyways, it was just a funny moment that I thought I'd mention, because it, again, ties back to kind of our origins of this podcast and... No hole. Um, and then again, Pancake Man's quadricep is the size of my torso, which I said earlier, but I, I wrote it on my notes because I would just, they had a moment of just him like on the ropes and a close up of his like upper thigh. And I was like, good fucking Lord, dude, you could crush me with your thighs. So the New Day have been like a tag team now for like 10 years or something, right? That's a They've long been time. around for a long time and they're very successful. They're the most like decorated tag team champions in WWE history. Mm-hmm. Which is quite a claim, you know what I mean? But the whole time they've been a tag team, everyone has just thought it's only a matter of time before Vince McMahon breaks them up so that Big E can be a singles wrestler. Like, there's no way WWE lets someone that big join their company without having, like, a singles title reign, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. For sure. Um... But yeah, and we still haven't had all of them in there yet, because eventually the whole tag team was in there. But we're getting to that point. Um, so yeah, the next person who came in, another wrestler I do not know, um, Apollo Crews. Seems seems kind of cool. Like, eh. Um, uh, he is one and of he the came in... most misused talents in WWE history. How so? He used to be in a promotion called Dragon Gate, right? Okay. Which are basically that like cool. They're like the Japanese equivalent to PWG, like as in. So they like they have some of like the New Japan like hard hitting stuff like that, but they're not about big strong dudes who do strikes and stuff like that. It's like it's almost like Japanese lucha. Like it's all just super fast paced athletic wrestling, but in Japan, right? And this guy was like their champion. And he was just incredible in the ring. Like, he's ridiculously athletic. He can do stuff that, like, no one outside of, like, Ricochet can do. You know what I mean? Like, he's flippy as all hell. But then, because, as you can see, he's muscular as fuck, he can also do a lot of, like, power wrestling and big slams and stuff like that. He's just an absolutely incredible in-ring worker. But he's small and not the best promo in the world. So WWE uses him as a jobber and barely ever uses him at all. Well, that's a little sad. Also, that would be also why, though, I haven't heard of him. One of the many reasons. Uh, and, I, and, but, and especially because you were just saying he's talented. My next note was, fancy jump kick from Apollo. Nice to see some cool athletics, finally. Because not since like, the start the of the one, match the has there been... That move is called an Enzigiri, and the commentator goes, what a drop kick. Well, then that's not my fault. That's the commentator's fault. I don't know what the things are called. Oh, I know. I'm just saying that's the moment. That's where that line of commentary That's happened. where that line was. Well, either way, whatever he did, it looked cool. I said it's nice to see some athletics because it's mostly when people coming in here and then just like kind of more punchy, punchy, like nothing super elaborate other than some of the eliminations. But even those, they happen so quickly. So this is kind of cool. 
And then, and then, uh, oh wait, one more note before the hype moment. I said Balor and Wyatt were getting in some decent wrestling there as well, which was cool to see. Like some, they had a, they had a, they had a moment. And then I said, ooh, a Japanese wrestler. And here was what people are already cheering for him. His entrance music is lit. And then I was like, I've heard that entrance music before. I think I thought it was like a Twitch thing because I heard it a bunch of times on people's like Twitch streams. And someone to tell me, Laura, you know, that's like a wrestler's music, right? I'm like, what? It's not like a Twitch meme. They're like, no. What rock do you live under? It's really good music. Like, it is legit, really good. Like even outside of being a like wrestling theme tune, like I'd put that on and listen to it. Like exactly. it's legitimately good. Like it's just good. Um, I did write. He's so skinny compared to some of these guys. We still had some like hulks in this ring. Like, like again, um, the the guy from New Day who is huge and like uh, Andrade Cien's pretty pretty buff and like. He, he's, he's a bit leaner on the leaner side. Also, he's a brave soul wearing full leather pants to wrestle in. That must be sweaty as fuck. Like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, I imagine so. Just insert gif from the episode of Friends where Ross buys leather pants. Just like, oh, brave soul. Pour one out for Nakamura right there. Um, And then again, I said, I love that the crowd is singing his music until... Um, like, I'm pretty sure until Kofi Kingston came in, they were singing his music. I'm like, yeah, it was legit, like, even after his music stopped, they just kept going. It was, could you imagine yeah. been him in that moment? Right. And it, you know, it made cool it so much worse, feel? though, on the note of, like, WWE booking being shit. Because the person they had entering immediately after him was Cesaro, whose entrance music is just a siren. I'm like, you go from this moment, from the whole arena, like, singing this epic music to a fucking siren. So and then they basically just, went back to singing his music. <laughs> it's literally just a siren. It's the worst theme music. I've also, who heard. the fuck decides a cyborg's a good gimmick for a wrestler? We know you're not a cyborg. You're a human being. And you don't even look... Not, nothing about his aesthetic even suggested it. I'm like, so is this name just, like, pulled out of thin air? Like, if you just show me his picture and you're like, guess at any of the branding or the imagery or his, like, nickname, I wouldn't fucking know. He just oh, looks like so a his, dude. His gimmick isn't that he's actually a cyborg. Like, the Swedish cyborg is just a nickname because... Why? You know, he was pretty, like, skinny. Like, he wasn't yeah. a huge dude. He's fucking ridiculously strong. Like, he don't look oh. it, but, like, that dude has lifted up, like, the big show, who's, like, over 400 pounds. He's insane. So that's where, like, the name Cyborg comes from, because, like, he's ridiculous. He's, like, one of the strongest people in WWE, despite looking like yeah. a twig. Like, it's okay. like, how, how, how does that even make sense? Okay, interesting. Uh... Good to know. Uh, next, we have as uh, another New Day guy, uh, Kofi Kingston came in. I said I love his hair. Dig it. He he seemed like he was one of the most charismatic people I think that was in the ring of the whole match. Like he just really exuded kind of personality and energy, and like I just kind of immediately yeah, he's, liked he's him a, a little big, more. He's a big fan favorite for that sort of reason. He just has yeah. a lot of natural charisma to yeah him. he was just very likable and i don't even know why like he didn't say really anything so you can't hear anyone talking it's like he just he was just i don't know and before he had like a moment later on that we're gonna get to because i have thoughts on it but but even before that moment he just i don't know i just liked him i was like you just seem like a fun guy you know um i said it makes you realize how big the roster for wwe actually is because i don't think about it that much because i'm like we're only halfway through i haven't even heard of most of these people 
So, and a lot a... of like their big stars, are, like no, like Undertaker haven't even in come this, out yet. You know what I mean? Like uh, Daniel Bryan in, in it. Like there's a lot of big names who like just aren't even in the Royal Rumble. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. Brock Lesnar isn't. Braun Strowman isn't. Like yep. And then I was like, Cruz, Apollo Cruz, literally lifted Cesaro using his head via the man's crotch. It was the weirdest. Because, like, they had had a moment. They're both like, who's going to go over the rope? And so Apollo's on the outside, like, on the apron, holding onto the ropes. Whereas Cesaro's inside, but still kind of, like, over the top rope. So Apollo Cruz just, like, sticks his head up in there over him, gets the guy kind of on his back. But so his head is, like, right at Cesaro's crotch and then just, like, raises his head and, like, lifts the guy. I'm like, this is the weirdest lift I've ever seen. Head to crotch. That's not the best, like, point of contact for this. But, hey, you do you. Um, It just looked pretty funny. Then we got our first shot of Finn looking understandably rough, as I wrote, and just Finn looking... Looking like in Matt Mercer's words, he, he he's looking rough. He probably has like ten hit points left. It was it was bad, uh, and we have a ways to go. And there's a but yet no one is going for him. Like Finn's sitting there looking like he's on death's door, and people are just leaving him be. That's my other issue with the I think the Royal Rumble as a whole is there's so many obvious targets that are just all the time being left alone, and it doesn't I mean, make luckily, sense to luckily me. Luckily for us, Finn Balor's a fighter and has the second win trick clearly like yeah if this is if this was D, that is what happened at the end there for those limbs he got he pulled his second wind and then so we get then the next entrance jinder mahal i just thought shit that guy's tall he is a tall tall man um and that he like jumped on kofi and need him in the neck i said this is the first thing i'll match that's made me like recoil a bit in like imagined pain it looked pretty gnarly he got decent air on the jump and like knees to the neck is not a fun thing to imagine you know just rough so one thing that really bugged me here after jinder mahal comes in right is that we had all three members of the new day in at the same time so you think they're all they're all going to work together they're all going to team up and they're going to sort of dominate the place they didn't. Once. No. They didn't team well, up. Well, the only like, time they teamed all. up was when two of them had already been eliminated yeah. and they found a way to save their dude. It's like, how incompetent are you guys? You're like the only team in this whole thing and there's three of you and two of you get eliminated straight away. Like, Yeah, because then Jinder immediately eliminates Xavier and Biggie, I think was his name. I don't know. The dude. And. I was like, Jesus, well, there goes your chance. I, th- I think I had the same thought. I was like, what a wasted opportunity, New Day. Fucking useless. So the next wrestler to enter was one of the first ones I knew of, like, so far, other than, like, one or two of them. And it was Seth Rollins, so I was pretty excited knowing someone for a little bit. And then he had a crazy entry, because my literal note is, holy shit, the air he got on that leaping entry I was like, it might have been camera angles, but even if it wasn't, that looked pretty impressive. So points for style. I'm pretty sure it wasn't just camera angles, because I thought the same thing. Like, Seth Rollins <laughs> can fly, but he's not known as, like, you know, a yeah. high flyer or anything. Which but is why I thought it might have been a camera thing. He flew through the fucking air. He got so much airtime. 
Yeah. And then he must have done something immediately after that also, because I just I just wrote like, wow, he's getting lots of air. So I wonder if he did some more moves like it, it happened really quickly. It's kind of like there's a lot and I'm busy typing notes about him entering and his first leap. It's, it's crazy. And then, of course, as many of them do at this point, when they enter, they get like an elimination on someone. So he eliminated Cesaro with a move. I said I wasn't a big fan of the elimination, though, because it was a bit of an obvious setup. But I was like, ah, I'll allow it, was my basic reaction. Like, it looks kind of cool, even though I can see you guys preparing to do it. So, is okay. Okay, elimination. And then we get to this part that I, I simultaneously, like, I love it and I hate it. Because I, I want to love the creativity, and I want to love the, like, oh, we're kind of doing something a bit different because it's been fairly repetitive up till now and it's the part where the last remaining member of the new day who is in there still who's kofi um he almost gets eliminated he's like out of the ring over the ropes but then his own teammate who's already been eliminated like throws his body underneath his feet so his feet don't touch the ground so therefore it doesn't count and i was all for that i was like that's clever that's genius well done but then they swap out the guy's body for a plate of the freaking pancakes and then it just got stupid and he's like hopping around while they move the pancakes around outside the apron while Jinder Mahal's like guarding that side of the ring so he can't get back in easily and I was just like why why did the pancakes have to happen this was actually interesting until the pancakes happened and just made me think this is dumb and so we agree the pancakes serve no purpose and are stupid so there's a few things like uh there's a bit of backstory to this well I don't know if backstory is the right word, but there's a bit of history to this that won't be obvious to you as, you know, like someone who never watched wrestling before. But, like, Kofi Kingston has been in WWE a long-ass time. He's been really? there for years and years. and He's been there, like, ten years or something. Oh, he doesn't right? even look... He doesn't look like like one of the higher-up-in-age wrestlers, so I wouldn't have yeah, guessed. Yeah, he is. He's, he's, he's actually... He's, like, uh, in his, like, late 30s, early 40s oh, wow. or something, and he just nice. looks great, I guess. Um, but he has been in, like, the last, like, eight Royal Rumbles or something, and in every one, he's done, like, one of these, like, unique ways of not getting eliminated. It's, like, it's become, like, a running thing. You know, every year, one of the highlights of the Royal Rumble is seeing how Kofi stops himself getting eliminated. What do they do if there's a year where Kofi doesn't do the Rumble? Then we don't get a creative <laughs> Kofi not getting eliminated spot. But it's like one one time, like he did one where he was stood up, he like tried to do a springboard up onto like the ropes and someone like pushed him out of the ring and he like leaped off of the ropes and landed on like the barricade between the crowd and the ring. Oh my god! And like walked along the barricade and then like jumped back to the ring apron and stuff like that. He's done loads of creative ways of not getting eliminated. Like I said, I wasn't the whole fact that something prevented him from getting eliminated. I didn't like, I loved it's that. The it's the fucking pancakes. Which, the New Day, like, they're a popular tag team. They're like one of the fan favorite tag teams. A lot of people love them, including myself. But I've yet to meet a person who gets and likes the whole pancake thing. It's just so dumb and gimmicky. It. And it's like a gimmick for the sake of a gimmick. Like it doesn't have any tie to wrestling, doesn't have any tie to like their visual style as a team. Like just, just why? Where does it come from? Other than an arbitrary decision made in the mind of Vince McMahon. But anyway. 
Um, I think it, how they got him back into the ring was also cool. And I said I would have appreciated it more if it wasn't for the pancakes. They basically did like a team like pole vault pogo stick where his teammates kind of like catapulted him over Jinder to get back in the ring. And that looked pretty cool. And then, of course, Kofi eliminates Jinder. So the whole, oh, you thought you had me. Nope. Psych. Twist. So that was, I could see in the moment, like watching for the first time, that being a pretty fun moment and maybe one of like the highlights of the match. But then, of course, Kofi then immediately got eliminated. And he, I said he threw in a, a totally necessary extra flip because, you know, style points or something. Yeah, like, there were a lot of people who did that sort of thing. Like, they'd land on the floor and then do a random front flip for no reason. Because, again, style points. You gotta look cool and you gotta prove that you can still do things. Because most of this match is just sitting there punching. You gotta prove you actually have some, you know, physical ability, right? <laughs> um, and then the next entrance we had was by Matt Hardy. And I just wrote, what the fuck is this entrance sound? It sounds like you gave a microphone to someone who was super high. And, like, narrating his own entrance. It sounded so He's just so doing, dumb. like, high as fuck like giggles yeah yeah like who what person thought you know what's gonna be a fun sound you know what's gonna like get people hyped you know what's gonna have energy you know what's gonna be like unique and make people excited this no one no one thinks that it's dumb also you know who you said it's like stonery and like it sounds like high as fuck his like nickname is woke matt hardy oh my goodness why why is he woke i don't understand (sighs) anyway there is actually a reason for it if you want to know it sure so he him and jeff hardy his brother were super massive stars in wwe during like the attitude era they were some of the most over like popular fan favorite wrestlers right and after they eventually left the wwe And they went to join a company called TNA. And during their time in TNA, they did, like, originally, like, for a long time, they were just a traditional, like, Hardy Bros, you know, just been Team Extreme sort of thing, like, just been themselves. But eventually it got sort of stale. So Matt Hardy decided to shake things up by doing a storyline where he broke. He just, like, went full psycho and became known as Broken Matt Hardy. And he started, that like, speaking... That doesn't sound fun. He started speaking in a weird oh, accent. Okay. He became obsessed with playing piano for some reason. <laughs> Random, but okay. He did, he did the laugh, like... <laughs> and he talked about how he needed to delete people all the time. And, That's odd. And he sort of, like did this crazy thing which could only happen in the world of wrestling where instead of doing traditional wrestling matches in the ring he'd do like video things where he'd like stalked a person around the lake and ambushed them and they'd fight at the side of the lake and they were proper like over it literally looked like you're watching an episode of like a tv show not oh my a wrestling God. thing and it was people like it was very divisive some people loved it some people hated it yeah of course but, the thing is, one thing it did do was sort of revitalize his career. He went from being like the lesser known Hardy brother that was just a bit bland and uninteresting to being very entertaining and people talking about him nonstop and like one of the biggest things in wrestling, you know what I mean? 
Because yeah. even the people who didn't like it were talking about it, at least. You know what I mean? That That's true. It's like the no, no publicity is bad publicity, I guess, in that yeah. scenario. Right? And basically, eventually, because of this new heightened interest in the Hardy Brothers again, WWE re-signed them. And they wanted to keep doing this, like, broken character because it was so successful. But TNA owned the rights to it. Oh, okay. So instead, they called him Woken Matt Hardy. Totally not the same thing, guys. Oh my god. That's... (sighs) All I have is the largest sigh and facepalm to that (laughs) as a reaction. (laughs) Oh my god. And then Matt Hardy's entrance was when we got that gem of a line from the commentators and where I lost all hope and any interesting talk from them with the nuttier than a squirrel poop line used to describe him. Uh, Just had to mention that. Um, And then they they had a few, like, camera shots of Finn Balor here. And I started just feeling really bad for the guy. Because every time they cut to him, he just looks rough. He is looking like he has not much left in the tank. So, point. speaking of camera cuts, it's also here where we get the glorious, glorious, best example ever of WWE shitty camera work. <laughs> where Matt Hardy, whose whole gimmick is that he's like, you know, broken and a bit of a weirdo, you know, has this intense stare down with Bray Wyatt, whose gimmick is that he's a bit broken and a bit of a weirdo. Yeah. And they're, like, they're basically like the same person and they're like staring each other down and it's, you know, these two people who people have been asking to feud for ages, like having to stare down with each other. And the camera cuts to two people just like filling time and punching each other in the corner. Yeah, probably Finn getting punched and that's why yeah. I wrote this. <laughs> and it's like, what a time to cut to something that's like not even important. It's literally just like, the wrestlers fill in yeah. time while it's not their moment. Oh, I you tried know? to like, mention this. I was talking about this to James, other specific camera work, and also, I don't know if it was this one, but one of the ones you mentioned where it's literally, like, a big deal. Um, no, I mentioned, um, I think it was in this Rumble when it was maybe Mysterio or someone coming. But either way, there was some major entrance. Oh, was it AJ Styles' debut? Oh, yeah, it was that one. Sorry, yes. So I was talking to James about how you told me the story of when AJ Styles made a WWE and it's a big thing and they ju- they just cut to, like, a wrestler in the ring's reaction rather than showing AJ in his moment of, like, literally debuting in WWE what people have been waiting for forever. And then James tried to say, well, like, they edited it. And if you go back, if you rewatch it now, like, on their, I guess, website or their archives or their TV network, like, now they've changed it. It shows them, like, yeah, but who cares now now like when you were watching live that was the moment that was the moment that they stepped on like no that doesn't make it better like just made me laugh that he was trying to not so much to he's like i'm not trying to like defend it it was dumb and yeah their camera works it's gotten a lot better and they did this just clearly it's like he 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 still has much more appreciation for wwe than either of us do clearly (laughs) and the thing is like i feel because i've been speaking to people at work about this and like there's two people at my work who are big wwe fans and like they hardcore just watch like wwe and they love it and they actually watch like raw and smackdown each week which i don't actually understand how anyone can do it's so bad and I think so much of it is just sunk cost fallacy. It's 
this is what they've watched their whole life. You know, like, they don't know anything different. And even if they watch something different, they don't view it on its own. Like, they're just like, oh, but it's not WWE. You know what I mean? Like, they view it through, like, oh, but it's not WWE. It don't have the budget. It don't have the production. You know what I mean? Like, they yeah, find things to dislike about it. And it's... Yeah, and I, I kind of get know... that. Because it did, like, just recently, I brought it up in another episode just because it was like coloring my mood at the time and ironically the situation kind of came back again um recently but like for me that was like my equivalent to that of the sunk so much time and i've watched it for so long like i will keep watching it because i very very rarely do i do that like even shows i absolutely love if they do something that i think is like an egregious enough sin i will rage quit i will drop that show or that thing and the longest running thing is i've watched 38 out of 39 seasons of survivor and then some of the stuff that happened this season just made me so upset i think was handled so poorly i finally quit watching it and i'm like i've given up i'm done with this show because i don't think and the way they've handled it since is not like in any way okay but it did take me a lot of kind of time like many many days grappling that decision of like but i've watched it for so long and like next season it might not i'm like no nope nail in the coffin they have proven that they don't care about certain things and their treatment of certain people so i'm done i am dropping it so i get how kind of i get that concept of you've been with something for so long that you lose sight of or you start to lose sight of its flaws but even then there's still i have yet to come to that point close but i'm not there yet anyways Back to yeah, it's back just, to our wrestling. It just so <laughs> sucks, like I say, that there's so much good wrestling, and it's like, and it's not like I'm trying to do like what I'm doing with you. Where I'm trying to convince like a non-wrestling yeah. fan that wrestling can be good. These people enjoy wrestling, but like they just, if it's not WWE, they won't give it the time of day. And it's like they'll watch NXT, which is like designed purposely by WWE to be like an indie show. Yeah. And they love it and think it's better than the main roster stuff. And he's like, then go watch indies. You know, like, there's loads of them out there. You'll probably love them. But, like, oh, it's not WWE, man. It's like, I just. Part of it might I also be, though, like, it. the the social aspect of it because it's so big like you know you have other people to talk about it with to watch it with but it's a lot harder to find the community like i say a lot harder obviously the internet exists like it's really not but it can feel like to a lot of people it can be harder plus if you have like groups of friends that you talk about it with and watch it with so it's like but then who you yeah. gonna talk to about Which, watching insert on one indie hand, promotion here on one hand i sort of get that because I am the sort of person whose interests are so niche that I can't ever... F- I love watching skateboarding tournaments. And it's like, who the fuck watches skateboarding tournaments? Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> I watch rap battles. Who the fuck watches rap battles? And I don't mean, like, epic rap battles of history. I mean, like, actual rap battles. Yeah. I've, like, never met another person who actually watches them. And then yeah. it's like... And I love wrestling. And at least in the UK... Wrestling is not a big thing. Nobody watches it, you know? So yeah. it's like, I can almost never find anyone to talk about most of my interests with. So I can cut, sort of get it, but at the same time, that doesn't stop me enjoying them. I just enjoy them by myself. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah, it'd be cool to have people to talk about them with. 
<laughs> this well, podcast. you are a very <laughs> you are a very different person than I think a lot of the 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 average like demographic of WWE fans. But yeah, I get what you're I get what you're saying though for sure. So back to the 2018 Royal Rumble here. So this all started just being like that talk about mentioning the cut to Finn. Finn looked pretty rough. And then hours later, this is a tan Not really a tangent. It's a wrestling related, but you know what I mean. So the next big thing that happened in the match was Rusev got eliminated. And I was like, Finn's the only OG left. And it just upped my my kind of willingness to cheer for him. And he became like before he was kind of the person I wanted to win. But at this point, I was like, OK, now I really want you to win. Um... And then right after that, we get Wyatt and Matt Hardy eliminated simultaneously. So those are two you said had their, they have a, not like an official feud, but like a bit of a thing because they both have similar characters. Yeah. And they're like, you are me, I am you. Not room, not room for both of us here kind of thing. So that's kind of funny that they eliminated each other simultaneously then. Because I didn't know that. It's almost like sometimes when they decide... When the winds are blowing in the right direction, <laughs> WWE actually can do storytelling in the yeah. ring. Yeah. It's exactly. a rare occurrence, but sometimes. Yep. And then I just went, oh my god, it's actually John Cena. Because I did not expect to see him, because again, I, not do, being embedded do, 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 in do. this culture, don't realize that half do, the appeal do, do, of the Rumble do. is bringing people back who are no longer active wrestlers. So I was like, do, John do, Cena do, doesn't do. wrestle anymore. So I'm, I just, I never expected to see him here. So I was genuinely kind of like mouth open for a minute. Like, what? No, no, that's not. So it was kind of like a fun little moment. But then immediately I was like, why does he look like an overgrown toddler compared to everyone else? The the wardrobe is like the t-shirt and the jorts and the baseball cap. Like he literally looks like you gave a toddler on his way to school, the Captain America, like super soldier serum. And it looks so dumb. But then James also, I was talking about it to him and he mentioned, well, but think about it. why do you think his merch sells the most to kids? Because it's designed that way. And I'm like, still, but like, why does he have to wear it and look like a giant kid? I mean, there's weird. there's a couple of aspects to it. It's like, one, he does genuinely dress like a kid with, like you say, bright colored t-shirt and baseball cap and jaws. Who Actually, wears jaws in 2018? What? Or to wrestle. <laughs> but the, like, another factor is that there's just something about his, like, even when he's not wearing that, like when he takes the t-shirt off and he's topless... He's, there's so much just about like his physique and mannerisms that's like cartoony. Yeah, well, like, I, really, I say when like, he takes the stocky and he moves in like sort of a robotic manner all the time. Yeah. And it's, well, like, like when he takes the the top and stuff off, like you said, for me, it's he goes from toddler to like quintessential American redneck there because like it's and like I it sounds awful, but like, the stockier build, he has a very square and like blocky face. He pulls very kind of silly facial expressions a lot in his acting when he's wrestling. And then he has like the American flag on his butt on the one pocket of the shorts and just and he's super white. So he just looks like quintessential American redneck. So he goes from toddler to to hillbilly kind of but it is just it's one of those like watching i'm just like how did you become what you are because to me other than the fact that just raw size he does not look like he has any sort of huge star power or star quality like he's not insanely good looking and then throughout the match like i'll get in more detail i found his wrestling 
was pretty repetitive and pretty dull and pretty slow and pretty like some of the least impressive of anyone that was in this rumble. And I'm just I just don't get how he got to where he is. Why is he so, so you, famous? Why do people love him so a, much? Were you on board with a John Cena sucks chat? I was. It was a good time. I enjoyed that. I also I just sent you um, a GIF on Discord that's like the perfect example of how John Cena looks like a cartoon character with his Every like, time you movements. say GIF, I die a little inside. It's GIF. Hard G. Anyways, we can have that debate a whole other time. But like, um, so the thing about John Cena is a few things here, which is when he first sort of started, he didn't have much going for it. Like he... Was... <laughs> I just looked at that game. <laughs> He's I'm literally sorry, a cartoon I'm... character. He literally is. That's so funny. Someone, oh, someone once oh, made an edit of this, which oh will, this will God. give away what Jeff I'm talking about. So yeah, so you listening is, at home can watch and laugh yeah, with me. This is too good. Is it's the like someone once edited that Jeff so that he's wearing like a baker's hat and oven gloves, and they've edited like an oven there, so it looks like he's going to get his like cookies out of the oven. <gasps> you know what I want to do if I could edit? I want to edit and put like Kronk from Emperor's New Groove's hat on him and edit with the text of his head going, oh, my spinach puffs. That's that's what I get right now. Anyone who's watched Emperor's New Groove, that's this moment. So but yeah, good. that's what I mean by like his sort of stocky build and like robotic sort of mannerisms. Just make him like a cartoon character. And the movement in, in this is just so clunky and so. I know. <laughs> but that's everything he does. Like. I don't get it. It's it's great. I love him. Um, And and that's the thing. I do sort of unironically love John Cena, but most time because he just makes me laugh because he is such a real-life cartoon character. But, like, John Cena's history is when he first got into wrestling, he wasn't the best wrestler in the world. He, He was sort of average. You know what I mean? He wasn't bad. Definitely not bad. But, you know, like, not a top tier wrestler by any stretch of the imagination. But... He was a big fucking dude. And, you know, like... And he has, like, a good physique. You know, he's not just big and muscular. He, You know, like you say, he sort of looks like a sort of... You know, he's like an action hero sort of build, right? Um, and then he is a hell of a promo. He's, like, one of the best promo guys to, like, ever walk into WWE. And as we all know in that, WWE. That I understand because like I said, I'm that person who lived under a rock. I, if you told me before this podcast, asked who he was, I thought he was an actor because I've seen him in movies. Like, and like the one movie I think of where he, I thought he was actually pretty funny and like gave a really solid performance considering it's like, you know, just a, a cheap laughs comedy was the movie Cock Blockers. And it's about parents trying to stop all their daughters like losing their virginity on prom night. He was actually pretty funny in that movie, in my opinion. So I could see how promos would be his strongest like suit as a wrestler. But basically like WWE have always been that way in that if you can cut a good promo, it doesn't really matter if you can wrestle or not in WWE, they'll push you to the moon. And on the flip side, you could be the best wrestler in the world, but if you can't cut a promo, they're not going to do anything with you. You know what I mean? That's It's just how WWE are. It's what they prioritise. They, they're all about, like, characters and, you know, soap drama and nonsense and stuff like that and less about the actual wrestling. So they prioritise people who can do that stuff and care less about the wrestling. It's, it sort of makes total sense, right? But what that led to is 
John Cena got pushed to the fucking moon. Super fast. And a lot of fans like just rebelled against it because they felt he was pushed too hard too soon and he wasn't ready for that position so they started yelling at him you know John Cena sucks and nowadays he doesn't suck he's a damn good wrestler when he wants to be but he is very much the definition of a big match wrestler like when he's putting like a Wrestlemania main event He'll go out there and steal the fucking show. But if you just give him a match to do on, like, an episode of Raw, he's going to put in the least amount of effort possible. You know, like, he's a big match wrestler. But when he does want to wrestle, he can. And most fans, now that he's not the, like, face of the company and he's in this sort of legend role and puts over younger talents and stuff like that, most fans have actually sort of grown to love him. So now the, like, John Cena sucks chants are done, like, in a sort of endearing manner. That's kind of Which is why, like, John Cena didn't, you know, like, he won't, like, like, he embraces them, you know what I mean? Because it's just... There was another, like, wrestler who had that sort of thing. Um, But, like, where, you know, have you ever heard of Kurt Angle? Uh, The name sounds familiar. He was a guy who used to be an Olympic wrestler... And actually won a gold medal at the Olympics while wrestling with a broken neck. Which is dumb. Jesus. Wrestlers yeah, that's... Hello? That's, um, that's a terrible So idea. he went on after retiring from sort of, you know, amateur wrestling. He went on to become a pro wrestler in the WWE. And he picked it up insanely fast. And he went on to become, in most people's opinion, one of probably the top like three wrestlers that's ever yeah. lived yeah like widely regarded that way and but he had a period where he was a heel and um during that like time period where he was a heel the fans developed one of these like negative chants along with his theme music and it just sort wow. of never went away like, and, and when he turned babyface again, they didn't stop doing it. So he just, like, embraced it and went along with it. And it was to the point where, like, he recently... He retired a long time ago from wrestling. And was recently inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. And when he turned up to his Hall of Fame induction, they played his music and the crowd was still doing it at his Hall of Fame induction. Like chanting negative things about him that's pretty great and it's great and i love it like they turned from like an actual mean-spirited thing to you know like sort of endearing and like tongue-in-cheek you know yeah yeah and that's happened with john cena people don't generally think he sucks these days but it's just a relic from when he sort of did yeah (laughs) and when he was like superman and never lost and just dominated everyone like yeah and then I said, it also made it so much better that the minute he gets in the ring, everyone there just gangs up on him and it's just like eight people just like kicking him while he's down because they're all like, we know how this goes, golden boy. Like, get out of here. No one wants you to win this. It's like, we will all make sure this doesn't happen. Except, well, except clearly later that doesn't happen because he gets in like a mini temporary alliance, but we'll get to that. And then Cena eliminates Elias right off the top. So I had to say I appreciated that just because I, I can't stand Elias's character and think it's dumb. So... 
props for eliminating someone I didn't like. And they mentioned that he'd done eight Royal Rumbles. I was like, damn, it's impressive. And then I thought it was impressive. Then later they mentioned people who've done like 12, 10. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Okay. Maybe in the grand scheme of things, it's not so much. But either way, it's a lot. It's a lot of things. And then after John's, we go from John Cena, like known by people who don't even know wrestling, like iconic, to some dude called the Hurricane. I said that really weird. The Hurricane, who looks like a really crappy, like, Comic-Con homemade superhero costumed wannabe. And I was just like, the the contrast here is absolutely massive. And of course, John Cena immediately eliminates him without doing anything. And it was just, it, it was like, part of me is like, okay, obviously this guy was going to get eliminated real quick because he's kind of almost a throwaway. But the fact that John Cena did it, I feel like he's just getting a limbs because of who he is. He doesn't have to work for it because the elimination looked pretty garbage like it wasn't anything exciting or impressive i feel like i need to explain a bit about the hurricane (laughs) so please do he was a wrestler during the attitude era and one of the things about the attitude era is it was very big on like characters and gimmicks you know there weren't many people who were just like a dude who wrestles you know like everyone had weird gimmicks and shit but the thing about the hurricane is even back then, he was purely a, like, comedy character. Like, always. And that made him quite a big, like, fan favourite, because although he lost all the time and was totally hopeless, he, you know, made you laugh while doing it, you know? He was just goofy and dumb and silly, and people loved him for it. I wasn't laughing, personally, but I don't have the... The investment in it, I guess, to laugh. But He was once part of a tag team with The Rock. What? And The Rock just did everything and carried Yes. Him? Yeah. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was like, it was comedy gold because The Rock's that hilarious anyway. That does sound pretty anyway. funny. Like, yeah. So teaming The Rock up, who's like a god and hilarious and charismatic and talented with this guy who's totally hopeless. It was just, it was great. Yeah. Uh, the next guy we get to enter had mu- uh, entry music I never thought I'd hear in wrestling. It's like operatic music, and it's Aiden English. And then I was like, I guess I can see the kind of vibe we're going for with that name and his music and, like, the theme here. And then as soon as he's running in, I'm just like, wow, this guy is pale compared to all the rest of these, like, spray tanned and other people. He just looked like he pr- practically reflected the stage lights. It was impressive. And he's very tall. Um, Then he runs in. Nothing exciting happens. No eliminations. And, like, most of this match is just people in pairs throwing bad punches. Like, in every corner of the ring, you have a new couple doing something. And then, like, one or two on the floor being tired. And one of the main complaints I have with Royal Rumbles, in between the entrances, like, nothing really happens. At least for the first half. Right? Uh, and then we get Adam Cole next to enter. People seemed very excited. I did not know who he was. I haven't known anyone since John Cena and Seth, R- Seth Rollins, but, you know, that's not surprising. Um, I was is it smart, sir, to be wrestling with a massive bandage like that? That's basically acting as a large red target of where to hit you. But I guess it's part of the story and they can use it for a very easy reason why he'll lose. How did he injure yeah, himself? Yeah, so basically he was, uh, he's an NXT wrestler. 
And most NXT pay-per-views happen the night before big WWE pay-per-views. Like yeah. NXT happens on a Friday evening. The main roster pay-per-view happens on a Sunday evening, uh, Saturday evening. So he was actually like in the main event of the like takeover NXT pay-per-view the night before. Yeah. So it makes total sense that he'd be injured because you know he was in the main event in a hardcore match last night yeah totally but like what was the specific thing that did it because uh, like they get in like beat up in general this looks like clearly something specific more than just the average wear and tear in a match had to happen yeah so i'll describe the spot and then while you're reacting i'll find you a video of it because uh it's something do I want to see? Am I going to yes. regret this? You're going to regret it, but you need to see. No, no. So no, someone gets, you know the steel chairs they use? Oh, no, no, no. Someone gets two of them and puts oh, them no, back no, to no, back no, against no. each other. So oh, they're sort no. of like a pyramid. Oh, God. Then they get Adam Cole up on their shoulders and like flick him off. So he lands with his spine across that like top of the pyramid. Ow. Ow. That sounds Yep, nope. That would make sense. The bandages. Like, I'd legitimately be more mad if he didn't come out with bandages on after. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right? It's like, I hope there's some visible wear and tear after that. Because even listening to that, that doesn't sound like a fun time. Um. Alright, well, that's why he did that then. Uh, and again, I'm like, why are you even at the Rumble? Just go down to 29. Just take the night off. Just chill. I'm guessing they're not allowed to in that scenario but also just makes for good story i'm sure uh and then i said "Ooh, impressive um, sneaky high kick from finn that eliminated aiden english and i was like yes finn balor you're still relevant you're still in this you got this i was so excited. uh two comments is like so actually no three one speaking of simon gotch one thing i forgot to mention when you were talking about his intro is he's pale as fuck he's like a ghost out there I know, that's why um, I was like, you look so pasty compared yeah. to these people. And then, um, secondly, is I think one of the reasons they had Adam Cole come in despite being, like, injured is he's really fucking over and he's really popular and he's really talented and stuff. So it's a way of putting him in and late without having him win. You know what I mean? Like, it's a way of, like, oh, well, there's an obvious reason why he didn't win. He came in injured. You know what I mean? Like, he has all the talent in the world to win it, but he was injured that day, so he didn't. You know, like. Yeah, yeah. Fair. Fair, fair, fair. Um, uh, one more so thing is. One thing I like. My favourite thing about Adam Cole, and I've loved it ever since he was on the Indies, because he did it on the Indies as well, is. His whole, like, when he comes out and he does the, like, crouch down thing and then stands up and goes, Adam Cole, baby! And the whole crowd does it with him. Like, all, like, 20,000 people in that arena did it with him. It was, like, the loudest reaction of, like, the whole night. And I love it because that happens every time he comes out anywhere. People love doing it. And it is crazy how, like, it's a main roster show... But this, like, NXT wrestler was, like, one of the most over people on the whole show.
So then after Aiden English's elimination, uh, we had number 20, the 24th entrant, Randy Orton came in. So I really like the graphic for his entrance, like his, and his music, like everything has a kind of almost vampiric gothic vibe. Although he clearly doesn't, like he's not, you know, coming out in like a cape and fangs or anything, but I liked it. And I also was, I'd never actually seen Randy Orton before. I knew the name. I had no idea what he looked like. So that was kind of nice to now have a face to put to the name. Um... Also, he's one of the, in my opinion, like, actually, like, mildly attractive-looking wrestlers out there. Because one thing, I never understood a lot of the the few uh, female friends I've ever had that watched wrestling. Um, and they, like, absolutely go nuts over some of the wrestler, wrestlers and rugby players. will never understand. Most of them look like they would crush me. They tried to hug me, which is not a turn on. And most of them look like they've taken the beatings that they have. And like, it's just, I don't know. They're just not very often attractive people, especially wrestlers have to have the long greasy hair that I hate because wrestling. So he, he's one of the few people who would actually be like, Oh no, he's not bad looking. But like, in my opinion, have, you do also have people like Adam Cole and Finn Balor. Yeah, they also, like, Finn Balor is one of the few I also was like, oh, like, I, if I didn't know you were a wrestler and just saw you, like, I'd probably think you were, like, I wouldn't guess he was that, and I would call, I would call him attractive. So, anyways, it was cool to finally know what Randy Orton looks like. Exciting. Um, and then, uh, was this a person, did I typo here? I had some impressive air for Almas, too bad it backfired on him. There he goes, that's a typo. There was no one in the match. did I mean Andrades? Is that what I meant to say? Uh, and his full name is Andrade Cien Almas. Oh, there we go. That is his name. Okay. So, yeah. So, he, he did some move where he was, like, running at a guy and, like, leapt. And then I said, so he got some impressive air, but too bad it backfired on him. And then it resulted in him being eliminated. But clearly it wasn't impressive enough for me to write down or describe whatever it was he did. But he did something. Um... And then we got Titus O'Neil, who has said, this seems like a fairly basic intro. It was really rushed. And he just, like, booked in the arena. And his outfit, like, the briefs he's wearing, he's wearing white briefs with a design on them that I can't tell what the design is from most of the zoomed-out camera work. And literally just looks like he's wearing a, a full diaper. A diaper with stuff on it. It's not a hot He does look. some, like, goofy-ass hand gesture as well. Yeah. It's weird and dumb. Yeah. And also... And then- don't worry, guys. I showed Laura the video of Titus O'Neil's oh, God. famous botch. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> because how could I not? You know, like, there's, there's yeah. no way I'm not showing her that. It's the best thing ever. Yeah. Like, I even mentioned to James, I saw that video, and he just started laughing while dri- we were driving somewhere, and he was just, like, laughing while driving, just thinking about it. It was pretty funny. It was so good. It's the kind of thing that you watch it on loop, and it doesn't it doesn't get less funny the more they you watch it. fucking replayed it like seven I times know. just during the match. I know it was so good. Oh man. Uh, anyways, clearly nothing exciting happened other than he entered. No one got eliminated. No one did anything cool because they're all just sitting there punching each other. So my next note is immediately entrant twenty six, the Miz. I wrote that's a terrible fucking name. What is it short for something? Where does it come from? What does it even mean? Like, I don't get uh, it's, it. It's a reference to his actual name, which is Mike Mazanin. Okay. Mazanin, the Miz. Yeah, well, uh, it still also, sounds weird. Not all names should be made into, like, tag names. I'm really know? surprised you've never heard of him before. I have not. 
because he actually, before he joined WWE, was a reality TV star. Oh, really? What what shows was he on? Survivor, I think. What? Whoa, what? Hold up. I need I need the Google machine right now. What's his name? Michael... No, no, no. What's his name? Miz something. The Miz. <laughs> Just put The Miz and you'll find it. The Miz reality show appearances. Sorry for listening to me me type, but um, reality television career. Dropped out of college. He was on MTV. He dropped out of college to be on The Real World for MTV. Wow. That's, that's a bit upsetting. <laughs> uh, I do not know any of these shows. He has been on um, Absence show. Nope. None of these are survivor and then he appeared on a reality show called battle of the reality stars he was on a reality stars episode of fear factor i know that one um identified. Also, he has he, not been on survivor no there. He was so on, i would know if he was on survivor the one i was thinking of it's, it's called you know you know what it says after a seven year long episode from the real world slash road rules challenge yeah whatever that used to just be called the challenge oh okay okay and it's much better like he's much more no you know better known as the challenge yeah 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 <laughs> Okay. Anyways. But yeah, no, I don't know who that is. I don't watch any of those reality shows. The only reality show, like, it's a guilty pleasure for a reason. Survivor was legitimately the only one I watched. And then for a brief time when it was on, because I was like, um, life sucks sometimes, but at least I'm not these people. I watched, I will say I watched Jersey Shore for a little while and I hate myself for it a tiny bit. But that's it. Those are the only two reality shows I ever watched, like, consistently. And not just, like, this is on and I'm channel flipping kind of thing. The best thing about, um... You know how you used to, like, say, you used to be a reality TV show star and then became a pro wrestler? Yeah. The way he became a pro wrestler was by competing in WWE's reality TV show Tough Enough, where they try find their next talent that they're gonna sign. Classic. So he literally transitioned from reality TV to wrestling by going on a wrestling reality TV show. Yep. 10 out of 10. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Um, And then there was the whole thing. He comes in and it's, I don't remember who, I think it was Miz doing the kicking. I can't remember. I just have the kicking back and forth with Miz, Rollins, and Cena is fucking dumb sometimes literally whoever the two that were getting kicked i know rollins was one of the ones getting kicked um they reacted before the kick even hit them and he's not even attempting to make like a, a noise like by slapping his thigh or like any part of his body to make the kick sound like it's hitting like it just looks like such a terrible like the amateur stage combat i did in high school when my friends and i were doing our theater stage combat unit like it's awful and kind of like quintessential things that suck about WWE. Yeah, I think he does those all the time and I fucking hate them because like they look pathetic. Like they don't mm-hmm. look like they hurt at all. And also he never like slaps his thigh, which is obviously, you know, sorry for spoiling kayfabe to those of you who still think wrestling is real. But the way they make kicks sound good is they slap their thigh so it sounds like it hits. Sorry for ruining the illusion but he doesn't do that so he's there apparently kicking these people in their chests really hard and there's no noise whatsoever (laughs) okay so they look like shit yep they sound like shit and in my mind they are the prime like ultimate example 
of WWE striking and why it sucks so yeah. bad. It, <laughs> like, it was awful. It was almost like painful to watch, not in the normal. Like, I almost had to turn away because it was just so bad and making me just like real annoyed, like just looking at it because it was that bad. Um, and then the next thing that was noteworthy happened and one of the highlights of the whole match was the next entrant was Rey Mysterio and I gathered from what they were saying Compton this is a big deal because I guess he'd either been injured or retired or something but he hadn't been actively wrestling for a while because lots of talk about his age and how he looked like in good as a shape as he ever was and given he did some of the most impressive things the whole match like his 619 kicks like through the ropes and the spinnings like, always looked great he he would have looked like I almost would have guessed he was the youngest guy out there if we're purely talking in terms of actual athleticism and activity and Meanwhile, doing more than the awkward punching. He's 43 years old. I know. So like, Fucking damn, ridiculous. son. Good good for you. And this, I also so, wrote, by the way, how many times have the commentators' picks in air quotes entered? Because we mentioned how they just kept constantly changing their pick and who they were rooting for. And it was really annoying and tiresome. But all of them, like, changed their pick to him when he entered. It was silly. So, like... I was going somewhere then. So Rey Mysterio, to tell you why it was such a big deal, is he is probably the largest Mexican, like the most popular, most famous Mexican wrestler ever outside of Mexico. Yeah. In Mexico, it's, you know, probably not. But outside of Mexico, there's no contest. He yeah. is by far the most famous luchador outside of Mexico there has like, ever been. So he is an all-time legend in any company you know what i mean yeah. like everyone respects him loves him appreciates him yeah he left wwe years and years ago and you know has been sort of wrestling like on the indies and stuff since and this was his return to wwe cool so he's legitimately like an all-time legend of not just wwe but like the entire wrestling industry yeah returning to like you know his sort of home yeah, he definitely had some of the most presence of anyone in the match. And, like, I would say he did enough to be worth that kind of legend title. And as someone, like, a casual observer, I'd say he earned that and totally believe that. Uh, next to enter is another one of the few people I actually knew because one of my friends in the UK was absolutely in love with this guy. Uh, Roman Reigns comes in. Uh, Izzy, if you watch, if you listen to the podcast, shout out to you. Um, I still think Roman Reigns and Jason Momoa, if you told me they were siblings, I'd believe you. They look so similar to me with like their jawline, the intensity in their eyes. And then of course they're both like large, like tall Samoa looking dudes with like long dark hair. And then just like, y'all need to do something together, like some reality show or be in something just because seeing the two of them next to each other would be hilarious. And I was excited to see him wrestle because like I said, he's one of the few I'd heard of um through people uh also i said i appreciate the name that his fans are called the roman empire like that's a great fandom name that that's top tier top tier names right there and then what the fuck is the miz staring at just standing there looking dumb is he staring at roman just like looking with fear struck into his heart but then also it reigns is also very clothed compared to the rest of these people how come he gets to wear like full pants and a shirt what makes him so special I'm just curious. Not only a shirt, a shirt that looks like body armor. Yeah, so I, I've never got this as well. Like, why is he allowed to wear armor 
and nobody else's. He's special. Like, the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) And then he, as it rains, eliminates Titus, a.k.a. Diaper Man. So we got to see him do his thing. Uh, I'm not gonna, I was a little underwhelmed by his wrestling after the build-up in my head. Like, and I'll mention later in the match, too. He just, he spends a lot of time kind of, like, psyching himself up, like you know, battle cries and, like, staring and, like, preparing before actually doing anything. And then this match, I realized the Royal Rumble is not the best for looking for, you know, unique or really top tier, the athletic part of wrestling. But he did, like, the same two moves for the entire Rumble when he entered. So it wasn't a great, my it wasn't a great first exposure to Roman Reigns. For anyone who hasn't seen this match or hasn't seen it in a long time, and thinks Laura's exaggerating when she says he does two moves, she is not. In this match, he did one spear and multiple Superman punches, and that is it. In yeah, the like entire the third time Superman he was punch, in the Royal Rumble, he didn't do any more moves than Superman punches and spears. And mostly Superman punches. Like, also a heavy bias on that one move. And the thing is, so, this is a defense of Roman and shitting on WWE time. Roman Reigns is a phenomenal wrestler. That's why I'd like to see him wrestle something else. I feel like this is not a good example of what he can do. I'd love to see him wrestle outside WWE. Because the thing about it is, I've, I've seen what he can do. I've seen him have great matches. But nowadays, WWE is so about like the marketing and the branding and the recognizability and patterns and stuff like that that it's them who sort of force him to just do like spears and Superman punches. You know what I mean? It's how they do things. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you've got these moves that everyone knows and are your signatures. Just, just do them over and over again. You know? Yeah, that's not fun. It's never fun. It's one of my um, biggest gripes about, like, when I go and watch something like PWG or New Japan or something like that where the ring work is, you know, incredible. Like, it's so hard to go back to watching WWE. There's a number of reasons that we've already discussed, you know, like the striking and stuff like that. But one of the big ones is this, like, how WWE wrestlers just do the same moves all the time. Like, they never change their moveset based on the opponent they're facing or the situation they find themselves in or anything like that. They just do the same moves over and over and over again every match. And it drives me insane. Yeah, especially because we had that whole discussion about finishers and stuff in an episode of our podcast. But anytime you just overuse or repeat your repertoire is just it's not fun for the viewers and like it's the easiest thing to avoid and it seems so obvious to us and yet here we are hoping that one day that changes next thing we had a similar and almost like a kofi kingston situation because the miz was going to be eliminated but his he had like two of his entourage they called it who he entered with and they saved him from getting eliminated i said it's not as bad as the pancakes and yet i still find it annoying because i was like who are these people they're almost like throwaway at least like kofi was his teammates because they like are on a tag team with him so 
I don't know, just felt a bit more grounded in reality and more like this is something that would happen rather than something we're doing for arbitrary reasons, right? One of the things that bugged me about is everyone else who had come out with like a manager or something like that, their manager came out to the ramp with them and then went backstage. Like when Andrade Cien Almas came out with his manager, she took his title like she took his title off him, wished him good luck, and then went backstage. So, like, if that's the rule we've established, that the wrestler comes out with their manager, but then their manager leaves and goes backstage for the Royal Rumble, why is The Miz somehow just, like, an exception to this and gets to have these two people down there with him when they're not in the match? I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, it's true. That's bullshit. Like, there's nothing wrong with having, like, an established canon and, you know, like, rules and stuff, but you got to, like, stick to them. You can't just randomly make exceptions, you know? Like... If the rule was everyone could have their manager at at ringside with them, fine, cool. If the rule is no one can have their manager ringside with them, cool, that makes sense. But, like, no one can have their manager ringside with them except for the Miz. He's special. (laughs) Stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Anyways, clearly, uh, Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns also agreed with us and felt so stupid because then they did an agreement to team up and they managed to eliminate The Miz together, which was a cool moment. And then Rollins was immediately betrayed by Reigns. And I really, what I liked the most about this part was he didn't even look mad. He was like, Seth Rollins was like laughing it off and looking back at Roman because he's like, you know what? Well played. I would have done the same thing. And And I thought that was. Exactly. time. These guys <laughs> used to be part of a tag team called The Shield. Oh, yeah, they were... they, I heard that term mentioned a handful in the match. Yeah, they were, like, one of the most famous and popular tag teams, like, WWE's ever had. And they broke up when Seth Rollins betrayed Roman Reigns. Uh... So now, when Roman betrays Seth, Seth's like, yeah. I get it, man. I've been there, you know. Yeah, like, he's like, no, nope, I feel do what you gotta do. Well, either way, I really, even without that history, I enjoyed it because it felt like a very real moment. Yeah, because that's, like, the, it didn't rule feel of the, super that's the rules of the match, you know. Yeah. Like, it, it's every man for themselves. There aren't a lot. Like, people will form temporary alliances, but at the end of the day, there can only be one winner, you know. Like, exactly. And then we're almost at the tail end of people entering. We get number 29, and it's this wrestler by the name of Gold Dust, and I just went, your costume is awful. Like, I would love to rework and redesign that. It looks, again, it looks like some weird Value Village bargain basement Halloween costume reject. I just hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Would you believe me if I told you that arguably the best singles match that has happened in All Elite Wrestling so far had gold dust as one half of it. No, I would not. Well, I refuse. That's, that's a fact. That is a factual <laughs> statement. It got five stars by from Dave Meltzer himself, and it was. That's still an opinion. Dust. It's like a very well respected opinion that holds weight, True. but it's still an opinion. It's not a definitive like. <laughs> but gold dust. thing. Whatever. You'll have to watch it sometime and prove it to me. Um. And then the next, and then we got our final entrant, uh, Dolph Ziggler, which I'm like, you sound like you should be in The Sound of Music, not wrestling, but hey-ho. Um, oh, man. And then we got another commentators, like if they weren't already screwed enough in my esteem, doing one of my personal pet peeves, 
of using the phrase, misusing the phrase for all intents and purposes and saying intensive purposes. It's not a word, it's not a thing. The phrase for all intent, intent with an S, intents and purposes because intent is the thing that you have that dictates your actions. So that's where the expression comes from. You can't have a purpose be intensive. That doesn't make sense. Anyways. Do you, do you want to know another thing about that was dumb about Dolph Ziggler's participation in this match? What? So, going into this, in the run-up to Rumble, Dolph Ziggler done this storyline where he was like, if I want one more shot at the title, and if I lose, I'll retire. I'm done forever. Yeah. And he, like, he was gone for months. Like, it seemed pretty legit. Like, he stuck to it for a long-ass time. And this was his return from, like, retirement. So, in theory, this should have been a big deal, right? It's him coming back from, like, his retirement and stuff. You know, it's the first time anyone's seen him in months. And he did nothing. Literally nothing. Um, um, my other note about Ziggler is that he has these, like, pink, uh, this, like, pink, uh, face on his pants with like long hair and it has like pointy ears. It's like a weird, like demonic elven pink face. And it looks like the new Pokemon Impidimp from Pokemon Sword and Shields. And if you don't believe me, go look it up and then go watch this match and tell me I'm wrong. And then yeah, it was Finn who got the elimination on Ziggler. And I was like, yay, happy you're still alive, still being relevant, racking up the eliminations because I want you to win. But oh man, do you look awful in that moment (laughs) showing his face afterward. So that's all our entrance now. We're done. We have no more new people coming in, which I was like, thank God, because I'm ready for this to be over. Uh, now we get to the stage where we have temporary alliances. We've got six people left now. So the line gets drawn as Cena, Orton, and Mysterio versus Reigns, uh, Finn Balor, and uh, Nakamura, which makes total sense. Even me, the casual observer, I was like, all right, kind of like old versus new or even just like levels of like fame i guess like i knew all three names of like cena orton and mysterio and on the other side i do not before this i did not know who finn balor or nakamura were so i i loved this moment like yeah like yeah it's such a just simple concept and was executed so well that like you say anyone could get it like who doesn't love the idea of like the legends going against the rising stars you know, like, that ha- that shit sort of shit happens in, like, real sports all the time, and it's always awesome, you know? Yeah, exactly. And everything about it was just very clear and very grounded in, like, decent storytelling, so it was cool to see. And then from that team-up, our first elimination, we get Roman Reigns eliminating Randy Orton. And then one of the coolest, I think, moves of the whole match, like, in terms of, like, actual physical wrestling moves we had a double 619 from Rey Mysterio who who hit both John Cena and Roman Reigns with it and it was pretty cool which I mean that uh, clearly at that point the alliance has kind of dropped because of what Mysterio and Cena were working together not anymore it was until clearly it was like for one elimination and then we're all done and be back to everyone for themselves there's a hilarious moment that I can't remember like whereabouts around here it happens but there's this moment where Roman Reigns and Cena are having this stare down in the middle of the ring. And it's meant to be, like, a super important moment. 
This is the two faces of the company from different eras facing off. And the crowd is just booing both of them and chanting and that they both suck. I know, it was so good. <laughs> you both suck. You both suck. Yeah, I have that coming up in a few notes. I was like, is this actually happening? Like, but talk I, I about missing the fucking mark. You know what I mean? I know, right? Oh, man. And then I had also like, oh, it'd be really cool if Finn could win the whole thing. He's been there for 52 minutes so far. Um, oh, and then because also Finn eliminated Rey Mysterio. So that's a big deal, since Rey Mysterio is such a legend and Finn is exhausted at this point. So now we're down to four. They all pick their own corner. They retreat. They're getting a moment to, like, breathe. They're all kind of sizing each other up. They look like, you know, lions or, like, hyenas. Something like looking at the other prey on, like, the African desert and just, like, waiting for who's going to move first, who's going to kick this all Finn, off. Except for Finn, who just looks Except dead. for Finn, who looks like I'm going to pass out. But, <laughs> but he's there. And the crowd seems to be on Nakamura's side. And I said, that's no surprise, considering the reaction to his entrance. His entrance was probably one of the most hype moments of the whole match. And then we break the, the stillness with Cena going for Nakamura and Reigns goes for Finn. Um, and then here, here's the moment I said, you mentioned, I said, why were Cena and Reigns just standing there staring at each other and giving the others who are easily more fatigued time to recover? And that's when we get the, you both suck. And uh, so now this is basically, I could have skipped the entire first 50 whatever minutes. This was the part of the match I wanted to watch. These next like two or three minutes. That's all I cared about. Not so many crazy people, no bullshit, just like actual wrestling's about to happen. But there's still like, it's different because there's four of them in there. So there's still kind of that group like tactic things happening, you know? Um, and after the stare down, we get this moment. Which is, it, it became a meme. Like, people still meme it to this day. Where, so, you know how wrestlers call wrestling matches, like, in the ring? Yeah. John Cena is notorious for being a bit, uh, vocal with his calling of matches. And when him and Re like, clearly the plan was that him and Reigns would have this stare down. And then Nakamura and... Bala would interrupt it. Right? And when John Zia decided it was the right moment for them to interrupt it, he yells, Now! And it's like totally audible on camera. It's not subtle at all. Yet I did not notice. I had no clue. So clearly, I'm either like far dumber or less observant than I give myself credit for. Or maybe it's like if you know he does that so that it's like you're kind of a bit more aware of it. It's probably a, a, a bit of both. It's probably what it is. It's, I'm, I, I, we've had moments where I'm just like, oh, I'm unobservant as hell in this podcast before. So I'm sure that's probably what it is. But yeah, I didn't notice. I didn't notice him call that out at all. Just saw them come attack. And, and I was like, and I was literally wrote, yay, Finn's back. Interrupting Cena's finish on Reigns. Digging the burst of adrenaline we got from Finn. And then we had one of the only moments the whole match that actually looked like it hurt. Um, I believe it was Reigns did like a double stomp to Nakamura's face. And I was like, ow. Oof. Oh, no, it was Well, that Bala. doesn't look like fun. It was Finn Balor. Oh, it was Finn. He did it to Finn. Oh, that might be also why it hurt more because I was cheering for Finn. No, no, it was Finn who did it to Nakamura. Oh, oh Finn, okay. Finn loves his double stomps. He does them all the time. Okay. Well, yeah, it looked brutal. I thought it was, I remember it being done to Nakamura. So that's why I was like, what? Anyway. And then 
we and then of course I was like god damn it John Cena you had to eliminate Finn I was cheering for him so now I definitely don't want John Cena to win I didn't before but now I really don't so now I was my my I guess if I was cheering for anyone it shifted to Nakamura and of course Reigns and Cena go to team up on him but that's kind of predictable they'd already been teaming up early no they hadn't I'm a liar but it's predictable in that they're both still like well, this guy looks easier to get out, and we're the two bigger dudes in this ring. Let's just go ahead and get rid of this. And then I said, I want to like John Cena's elimination by Nakamura, but it looked so silly because there was so much setup time. And at one point, John, he, he gets him over the ropes, but he hasn't, like, fallen out, and his feet haven't touched the ground yet. So Nakamura, like, backs up and sets up for something to, like, shove him off. And John Cena is just sitting there holding onto the ropes, shoving his head through the ropes, and, like, wiggling his shoulders in some weird way. I'm like, maybe he's trying to pretend he's, like, stuck on the ropes, but it just looks so stupid. And I couldn't enjoy it. And the thing is, like, it could have been a good spot. Because, like, the sort of move Cena went for is, like, a traditional move. Like, if the enemy's inside the ring and you're outside, you, like, do a shoulder tackle through the ropes, you know, to knock them back. Everyone does it. It's classic wrestling move. And so he went for that. Nakamura stepped back and kneed him. In theory, that could be really cool if it was nice and fast. You know, Nakamura quickly backsteps back, jumps forward, and knees him in the face. Perfect. It would have looked great. The reason it looked so shit is John Cena, like, shoulder tackles through, Nakamura jumps back, good so far, Th- then Nakamura stands there posing for, like, five seconds, and the whole time John Cena's just, like, stuck through the ropes for some reason. And so, like, it could have been good if it was just faster. Yeah, either way, it just looked really stupid. Um, I wanted to enjoy it because I wanted to see Cena eliminated and I couldn't. Um, and then again, Nakamura started making some really weird facial expressions for a minute after that. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about it. Also, the first time I noticed that he had a red mouth guard on because for a second I was like, oh shit, is he bleeding? Oh no, wait, never mind. It's a mouth guard. Um, and then we had this whole dumb... The thing I hate, I've complained about it before, where they're just, like, exchanging blows and the crowd's cheering as each one just, like, throws a punch, then the other throws a punch, then you throw your punch back, and it just rains in Nakamura. Just, and I was like, it's been an hour. I don't need this. This is tedious. Someone get the win. Although, there was a funny, funny moment where Cena and Reigns tried to do the trading punches spot. But you know, like, the whole the whole point of the train punches spot is that the crowd goes like, Boo! hey, Boo! hey, Because it was Reigns and Cena, who everybody hates, the crowd was just, like, booing for both of them, rather than cheering for one and booing for the other. And it was, it was so funny. Yeah, I remember that. Alas. I, either way, I still don't think it works. Like, then at least when it when they weren't cheering, it was funnier to me because comedy value. This is just annoying. Uh, and then also, this is another time where I said, Robin just spends so much time just staring. Like, at one point, they were separated in their corners again. Right before the finishing move happens, he spends so long staring at Nakamura and then lets out, like, a battle cry before running from, like, dude, he could have been dead twice by now. So one of the things about that, punching and the crowd booing for both of them spot that bugs me so badly is that it highlights a much bigger issue with WWE 
which is their inability to listen to their own fans. They pick and choose who they want to be a heel or a face at any time, and will keep them as a heel or a face, regardless of how the crowd is interacting with, uh, with them. So, like, they have decided that Roman Reigns is the face of the company, and he is going to be a babyface. And they don't give a shit if you boo him, they're going to keep portraying him as a babyface. And, like, that's so against any logic. If the crowd is naturally booing this person, turn them heel and make money off of the crowd booing them. You know? Which you'd think would be an easy decision, because usually money is the driving factor in most things yeah. like this, right? Like It's just so backwards and illogical. You know, like, every other company in the world does that. It's like, they react to the fans. If the fans start cheering, like, a heel, they'll turn them face to capitalise on the fans, you know, loving them so much. And then when a face starts getting stale, they'll turn them heel, you know what I mean? So that the crowd starts booing them, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's not rocket science, and I don't get why <laughs> WWE struggles so hard with it. Who knows if it's it'll be in our lifetime that that changes? I'm doubting it. And then we finally get a winner, and Shinsuke Nakamura gets the win. I was like, all right, well, that's exciting. Clearly the crowd loved it. Um, I liked that it's like it wasn't someone that felt so, like, completely far-fetched out of the blue. Like, there's why did this person win? But it also wasn't, like, one of the obvious big-name favorites that I knew beforehand. So I, I thought it was a good balance, like, middle ground. And I said, I'm just happy to hear his music again because it's epic. And then also I was relieved it was over. So, yeah, overall, I get the appeal of the Royal Rumble. I get its place in wrestling. And I feel like it is for... The fans who consume this media much more regularly. It is not something I think I will ever watch of my own free will again. Or maybe I'll watch it like with James or with friends who are super into it. But while I also have like my Nintendo Switch next to me or something. And I'm just like there. And I'm like catching Pokemon while we watch wrestling or something. But <laughs> you know because, what I mean? Yeah, because I, I totally get where you're coming from. Because a big part of the appeal of the Rumble is, to, is twofold. One is that it's genuinely unpredictable. Like, nobody ever knows who's going to win the Rumble. Which, in, like, modern WWE, it's rare for something to actually be unpredictable, right? But secondly, a big part of the appeal is that you never know what's going to happen. You're never going to know. You never know, like, which surprise returns are going to happen, which, like, legends are going to show up for a one-off appearance. You know, like... Who's going to guest appear in it? Like, which NXT star is going to randomly appear in it? What sort of, like, crazy eliminations are going to take place? It's all surprise value, but it's all based on you knowing, like, who these people are and why it's a big deal. You know, like, like when Hurricane returned, like, that meant nothing to you. You know what I mean? But someone who grew up watching it, it's like, oh my god, it's the fucking Hurricane. What? <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. And, like, and I sort of can experience it from your perspective a bit, because when I watched this Rumble the first time, when, when it was live, and I watched it live, I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was very, very entertaining, and I enjoyed the whole thing. Rewatching it now, when I know the surprises, and none of them are surprises, and I know the spots and stuff like that, like... 
I've lost all the things that made the Rumble good, and I'm just left with, like, the shitty wrestling and time filling. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought given the nature of the match, there'd be a lot more um, of the, like, the the weapon and prop stuff that I hate. So I was happy to see that that wasn't really a thing. But yeah. That happens sometimes in rumbles, but not every rumble. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a random thing. Yeah. And usually, even when that happens, it's like, for like, like five of the entrants in the rumble will use weapons and then they'll get rid of them and carry on as normal. You know what I mean? Like, something yeah. like that. Either way, I'm glad we watched it. It was fun to do for the sake of the podcast, because there's just so much to talk about. But I'm probably never going to watch that on my own ever again. <laughs> Yeah, uh, like I say, I can see the, you know your side of things as like someone who doesn't know wrestling. Cause so much of the appeal of the, you know, it's like Rey Mysterio returning. It's Dolph Ziggler returning from his you know fake retirement. It's Hurricane making a guest appearance. It's Adam Cole being called up from NXT for it. You know, it's like these things that like you don't get any of that if you don't watch it regularly. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't know who these people are, it's just another person coming to the ring. But the crowd reacted louder for this one for some reason, and you're not sure why. Look. So, yeah, I totally get it. And uh, as much as I love to rumble, I can totally see why you don't. And I think that's totally fair. Yeah, that's all my all my notes that I had for this. And it's a lot. <laughs> Most notes I've ever taken for a podcast episode. This is episode, the longest sure. episode of the podcast we've ever It is. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Merry fucking Christmas, everyone. I hope you don't spend it watching WWE. We did it for you, so you don't have to. <laughs> um, but yeah, usual ending stuff. Follow the podcast on MAM Wrestling on Twitter. Follow me on Twitch and Instagram at Hanzo Kurosawa. For Laura Foro. What on earth? Follow Laura on Twitter and Twitch at LauraK483. And if you have any questions, feedback, or you'd like to guest on an episode, then just hit us up. Thank you very much for listening. Bye.